For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. A lot of text from yesterday's programme where, among other things, we featured an upcoming rally at uh, the library tomorrow at half past midday when staff will be rallying and protesting over what their union calls the harassment uh, of their staff. Um, and that's a story that makes the front of the Echo today. Harassment must not be tolerated, according to their trade, trade union. There's a rally planned for tomorrow to show support for the staff at the library. Um, and of course, uh, much of this has to do with protesters, they're saying in the Echo, objecting to the availability of what they call pornographic books relating to LGBT plus matters. And of course, um, uh, imagine that uh, both sides, if you could call it in this, both sides will be in attendance, the uh, staff and those who protest against the book. Uh, quite a lot of activity in our courts yesterday. The teenager accused of murdering the man in Cargilline last Christmas. Well, he was served with a book of evidence yesterday and the Echo Court report this morning from Liam Healan talks of Jordan D.C., a 19-year-old from Carrigaline, he um, appeared before Cork District Court by video link from prison. Uh, and that's the story that makes the echo this morning from the courts. Also, what they call a Svengali-type crime. It's very interesting, but uh, there's a girl called Rachel Kiley uh, from Blackrock uh, who has now been jailed for nine months on seven counts of theft. theft and they list them out um, in the papers this morning. And my God, it was um, some serious amount of swag that was robbed over a period of time. Uh, but her defence counsel said that she was uh, an accomplice. Uh, she was pushing the trolley, but there were other characters in the background in their 50s. And she was brought out to these places to do what she did, pushing the trolley around, filling it up and bringing it out to the vehicle outside the front door. Um, so for that, she got jail yesterday. Uh, for nine months, she was before Judge Olin Kelleher. But if you look at the, um, she pleaded guilty to that and, and seven other counts as well. A prolific shoplifter, says the judge. That's why he gave her nine months. And, and there's a list of some of the activity involving lifestyle sports in Wilton Shopping Centre. 240 euro worth of sporting uh, goods. Super value in Carrigaline, a trolley dash. 186 euro worth of goods. Uh, Dunn stores in Ballincollig, a trolley dash with a large volume of 330 euro worth of goods. Which could you even get 330 euro worth of stuff into a Dunn's trolley, I ask you? Uh, Dunn's in Bishopstown, uh, in Bishop's Court, then, same kind of thing. Um, she wheeled a trolley uh, laden with 806 euro worth of goods. I mean, that's a Guinness Book of Records achievement. How could you get 806 euro worth of stuff into a trolley? But it happened, I don't know. Uh, Woody's in Clonmel, and from there over to Galvin's off-licence in Bandon. So the list goes on and on. I hope that the uh, hope this turns a life around, and if she is a vulnerable person, that she gets the help that she's needed. More RTE bombshells yesterday, and even more to come. I won't go into the detail of this right now, because I want to talk to Pierce Doherty on it, because we touch base on this story every single morning. Yesterday, it was with Colin Burke, TD, who's on the PAC accounts, uh, and of course, uh, this morning, it will be Pierce Doherty from... From Sinn Féin. So let me just leave those stories for a moment because there are many of them. But in other news today then, uh, I see that uh, the papers today also talk of more tragedy on Cork Roads and the star picks up of the heartbroken aunt of the teenager, uh, Johnny Foley, the 16-year-old from Toker who died uh, after the car he was a passenger in drove the wrong way down the M8. And she said, uh, she, it's a warning to young people not to dabble in dangerous things because life is too precious. Uh, and you know something? Never a truer word was spoken because a lot of the time, young people like that feel that they are invincible. Now, our thoughts are also with the woman in her 30s uh, who's believed to have been travelling home from a late shift from work who was seriously injured. 
because her car was crashed into in the head-on collision. So that's the story that makes the, uh, the, the star today. And then the two misfortunate lads over in Eos in Greece. Apparently one of them died from a fall and the other lad, while searching for his body, had heart problems and uh, collapsed and died himself. Isn't it just awfully sad? Uh, you know, young people going off on their leaving certificate holidays and for many parents at the time of course their hearts are in their mouths that they will remain safe papers today tell us that there are 1700 drivers uh, driving for 30 years on learner permits 1700 for 30 years it's amazing isn't it uh, is it that many of them just never take the test or are constantly failing when you look at the stats in the mirror this morning it seems that there are 301,000 people with learner permits uh, driving cars um, and you see them, God knows you see them. Even again this morning, some flute with an L and N place in the, in the what we call the fast lane uh, of the ring road heading west, coming out to Curraheen, just happily plodding along, all of the traffic backed up. So what happens then is people who need to get past them and do what they're allowed to do, 100 kilometres on the road, have to overtake on the inside lane. It's just insane. Uh, the, the hoteliers will love Taylor Swift. She's added on a third gig, so they must be rubbing their hands with glee. Meanwhile, another musical story. And believe me, this guitar will be bought with somebody who has the money. And it's, I mean, if somebody spends 1.1 million or more on a 1961 Jimi Hendrix guitar, I say good luck to them because they probably earned it and it probably was hard-earned money and they probably love music. And why shouldn't they have a Jimi Hendrix guitar from 1961? Although I would suggest it could go for a lot more than that. It's a story that makes the, the mail and the tabloids today. And hands up, I have to admit, I've never seen Indiana Jones, any of them, uh, apparently there's been four, there's a fifth coming out. Never seen them. I'm told that I shouldn't watch the uh, the Dial of Destiny, which is the fifth movie, because you need to watch the other ones first. I've got to go way back to, what is it, like the 70s? I don't know. Uh, but apparently the fifth one is about to be released. Um, in fact, I think it might even, it's out, I think. It's actually out, I think, uh, the, the latest Indiana Jones. But what isn't out, but it will be out uh, in a few days' time, is Mission Impossible 7. So the papers talk of that film uh, this morning because uh, you probably know this. You're probably bored out of your tree if I tell you this. But apparently uh, Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts and always has done all of his own stunts. And they're not manipulated or changed or anything. They're real stunts that he's done himself. I love Mission Impossible. I'm a huge fan of it. Always have been. So I can't wait for the next one. Mission Impossible 7. My God, the numbers weren't long clocking up, were they? And in other news this morning of a techie nature, apparently there are all sorts of different reasons why people break or damage their mobile phones. But there's a story making the mail today so that all you need, like a Mission Impossible or a MacIver on it, for all of your mobile phone needs are a hairdryer, a toothpick and a bowl of rice. Now, the hairdryer, right, is uh, is something to do with making the, f- the, the, the actual phone fit into your, say for instance, your what I have recently, the Otterbox Defender, three times stronger than military grade. The bowl of rice apparently is to <laughs> the bowl of rice is to put it into the bowl of rice if you drop it in water. Incidentally, it doesn't work. They say you get a cellophane bag, fill it with rice, put the mobile phone in, and it draws all the moisture out. 
That's what they say. The toothpick, I have no idea. I have no idea. It might have something to do with the SIM card or something. But they're the three they're the three different tools that you need. The toothpick, the hairdryer, and the bowl of rice. But it's an extraordinary from rice to another edible product that apparently um, it seems that more than a quarter of adults surveyed do not know and have never boiled an egg. Uh, they find it there's too much anxiety involved in it trying to get it right they wouldn't even know how to start uh, to boil an egg it's kind of sad really isn't it that that's the society we live in nowadays it's also kind of also interesting that microwaves are the number one they listed 24 gadgets and they asked a load of people to um, pick their favourite one microwaves first and the soaring popularity of the air fryer second so nowhere in there is there an oven or a grill or a frying pan, or for instance, say something like a, a barbecue, um, or um, what else am I thinking about now that would be used in the kitchen? Oh, a toasted sandwich maker. Yeah, those, those were the old George Foreman's. They the were two, all the, great no, the bigger ones. Thing. But you remember the small, the tiny little yeah, ones yeah, yeah. that just do the, the one, sandwich. The ones that actually made them into the triangles. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh yeah, man, I love outside. them. I know. The George Foreman. Yeah, yeah. No, that was but that was the microwave. All the rage. But they, they, they. I won't, I won't name names here, right? I want to protect people identities when I have when I tell you about this but yesterday speaking of not being able to boil eggs or do things at home we're speaking to one of my esteemed colleagues in Red FM who again shall remain nameless and this person told me uh, they said (laughs) I almost gave away the gender um, they said to me uh but like um, you know, like gas. Like, what's the story with it? Like, you know, what's 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 the smell of gas or something along the lines? I get sick from the smell of gas. I said, well, you know, like they add that as a safety measure afterwards. And they said, well, why can't you see it? <laughs> I said, I said, because it has no colour. They said, but it's blue when you put it on the oven. I said, that's the flame, not the gas. <laughs> I said, have you ever changed the light bulb? And have they ever changed? And they said, uh, they said, well, you know, I was kind of nervous about it, so I waited till my dad. I, I was living abroad. I waited until my dad came over. I spent about seven weeks without a light. And he I came was over nervous and it. about changing the light bulb. light bulb, and I waited for my dad. It's about seven weeks. I later. give up on this world, really, man. I absolutely just give up on it. <laughs> that wouldn't have been the same person that doesn't know how to fill a kettle. No, wouldn't be the same person who doesn't know. Know how to clean the kitchen after they use it, no? Oh, yeah, that could uh, that could potentially be the same person. I don't want to name names, but definitely uh, I was I was shocked when I heard it. All right, one or two other ones this morning involve a Japanese airline. Who who would fancy going on your holidays and not having to bring any luggage with you? Well, there's a new service being offered uh, by Japanese airlines. It's called Anywhere Anywhere. Don't ask me to spell them. They're two different spellings of the word. But what it means is that you can rent your clothes. They will ship it to your hotel or wherever you're staying. Put it in the wardrobe and it will cost you $28 for two weeks. If if they're damaged or if they're charged or lost, they don't charge you. Uh, I think it's fantastic, uh, particularly if you like to travel light anyway and you hate paying for 20 kilos of luggage and all that kind of stuff. So you can just ignore all of that order up the clothes in advance and it'll be in the in the uh, in the hotel room or the B&B wherever you're staying in advance they give some example I suppose like for a guy it would be maybe four t-shirts and four pairs of shorts for a girl they're figuring it would be like four tops and four pairs of slacks or something like that Twenty five ninety nine. I think it's a great idea myself winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022 the Thanks Neil Prendeville Show on Thanks. Cork's Red FM. Text 0868104106. So to RT this morning, it dominates all of the papers this morning. More bombshells, as they say, on the front of the mail today. They call it an SHIT show. They call it SHIT show, the musical, with asterisks on the word SHIT on the front page of the star today. Um, the you know, We had two flops featuring yesterday. The toy show, the musical, flop. 
and the flip-flops because RT spent €5,000 on flip-flops and €2,000 on balloons. Uh, when you add it all up, it was €1.6 million Euro spent on a client splurge, splurge through their slush fund barter account. Now, the list is endless as to how they spent all of this money. Uh, but the toy show lost €2.2 million Euro of taxpayers' money. They managed to sell... This was supposed to have been a massive money earner, but they only sold 9,000 tickets in total. And apparently they gave away... Uh, 11,000 tickets for free. You couldn't make this stuff up. The toe show, the farcical toe show they're talking on this morning sun because they're going on about the flip-flops itself. We also learned that, um, although this is open to interpretation, that there are three barter accounts for all of this. Um, they also hone in on how the money was spent in other ways. Um, they also talk in the papers this morning of the 111,000 one euro for six people to go to the Rugby World Cup in Japan. The 26 grand that was spent on tickets and hospitality for the U2 concerts. Um, I mentioned the flip-flops. I mentioned the balloons. We all know of the payments, the secret payments to Ryan Tuberty. There was also the most exclusive golf clubs that were visited by clients. 13 and a half grand in 2017 for Powers Court. Uh, a media golf outing costing two and two thousand six hundred six grand in Druids Glen. The Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Edinburgh. They racked up a bill of five grand for an executive board meeting. Are you joking me? A client thank you lunch that cost two and a half grand. Um, other other payments then for Bruce Springsteen, um, which was twelve grand for tickets, seven and a half grand for a golf outing. Um, let me entertain you, Robbie Williams and Phil Collins tickets at the Aviva, six and a half grand. It went on and on and on. Um, and then there was a thing called the RT Cinema Sports mystery event that no one seems to know what that was about. It cost 32 grand. Um, so that's the deal. Also three and a half grand spent on Ireland soccer jerseys. So that makes the papers today. Um, there was also uh, quite an amount of pizza and football jerseys bought during the 2016 European Championships. There's also the story of this staff member who had a car on loan for five years and extraordinarily gave it back only on Tuesday. That emerged yesterday in questioning and that's part of the story that makes this morning's uh, examiner, but they hone in to money, money, money. While at the same time, because apparently RTE pay every single year for a private club in London called Soho House Club. It is one of the most exclusive clubs in London and they use it for meetings. While a reporter worked in a toilet in London and filed audio reports back to RTE in Dublin from the toilet of a cafe in London town. One other aspect to this story is that uh, they did some research in the Star this morning regarding who and ho- who won't pay the licence fee. And they say that Cavan is the county that tops the list where people say that they will do their very best to avoid paying their TV licence. How do they know that this? They looked at Google searches with regards to how to avoid paying the licence fee and Cavan came up first. Uh, Cork, apparently, the rebel county, I am told, is the county who will be most compliant. Kind of disappointed to hear that. Prefer to see us on top, being the rebel, rebel county. But what can you do? So we learned an awful lot more yesterday in this bizarre saga, and they say there's even more to come. Pierce Doherty, the Sinn Féin finance spokesman, joins me by phone. Pierce, good morning. Good morning, Ian. Do you think there is more to come? Um, because that's the speculation this morning, that if we hadn't already got enough to deal with, there's even more coming. What do you think? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, listening to the, um, the the words of the chairperson of the board and, you know, there's two different boards in RTE. There's the, the board of RTE and the chairperson, Chewing Yurahalia, and then there's the executive board. So the executive board are the people made up of, you know, all of them are above 200,000 euros. Some of them are well above that. Um, and they're the people really who are in the dock. Um, and But what we heard from the, the chairperson of the board, the indications are there are more to come. And I think if anything has... Uh, taught us over the last uh, two weeks since this uh, scandal broke initially, it is that RTE executives are drip-feeding information. Um, in some cases, they're coming before the Oireachtas committees and they're, you know, they're not being truthful with what they are saying. They've had to correct themselves or they have been caught out. Information has had to be dragged from them. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if more is to be revealed um, in, the, in the coming days. Um, but look, what we have already in the public domain is just absolutely you know, shattering. It has shattered the confidence of people in relation to RTE. It is you know, a Celtic Tiger type t- types of extravaganza. And it, at the heart of this, Neil, at the heart of all of this, you know, because we can look at all the the flip-flops and the meals and the tickets and the World Cup and how it costs so much money. But at the heart of this is people at the very, very top of RTE, the insiders protecting the insiders. Mm. That's what this is about. This is insider culture. Mm. This is uh, at the heart of this year was the, the, the lengths that certain people in RTE went to actually hide a payment that was being made to Ryan Tuberty. Uh, they funneled it through Reynold. So Reynold paid the 75000 to him. RTE paid Renault back the €75,000, um, but trying to avoid every, anybody knowing that. And on top of that, because for Renault to do this, this is we'll put on three gigs for you, which is going to cost 45000 quid. We will put on, you know, wine and cheese and all the rest. We will pay for up-and-coming artists. And on top of that... One of which was in Renault and Cork, Cork, incidentally. One of them, yeah. One of them was in Cork, yeah. And look, the Renault garages, they're not to blame here. They got a fantastic deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you pay seventy. Imagine if somebody came to you, Neil, and says, "Here, will you pay seventy-five thousand euro to to a fella down the road, and I'll give you the seventy-five thousand back." And on top of that, there, I will give you another sixty-nine thousand on top of that. Like it's it's an unbelievable deal. But these are the executives who've done this, and why did they do it? Not because they wanted to do a favour to Renault because they wanted to do a favour to Ryan Tuberty, because when every single person was was having their wages suppressed or their wages cut, when, the, when they were telling the public that these stars were taking 15% wage cuts, they knew that Ryan Tuberty wasn't, that they created a, a secret, elaborate well, deal that cost the taxpayer a lot of money well, to actually do this. We will hear next week, and I'm assuming it will be in public from Ryan Tuberty and also from Noel Kelly, because it's important to hear their version of events. But Absolutely. I, I watched the media committee yesterday, and I watched... Imelda Munster, your Sinn Féin colleague, right? Because we heard of, uh, and the term slush fund is being slashed around now all of the time in the barter accounts. And she talks along the lines of it's funneling secret payments to conceal payments to Ryan Tuberty was a sneaky, underhanded deal. It was false accounting. It was Celtic Tiger splurging, she said. And then Matty McGrath, again, says he wants the fraud squad brought in. Where are you on that? Well, first of all, look, the, the people, you know, above my station will be looking at these issues, whether there was laws broken or not. And that's really a separate issue. The, but the core issue here is that this wasn't a normal accounting practice. So the director of commercial admitted that the, uh, uh, she's one of the executives, admitted at the committee yesterday that she knew this payment was for Ryan Tuberty. 
but the invoice that was raised said it was for consultancy fees. Like, that is the issue. And again, why was that done? In my view, it was done because people wanted to, you know, they, they wanted to protect the idea that RTE were creating this uh, back channel of money to ensure that Ryan Tuberty didn't take a pay cut. It's not Ryan Tuberty's fault. These are the executives. It's the executives of RTE that we... Uh, that are that are paid a, a high salary, that are entrusted with public money, uh, and that have gone to extreme lengths to do this. But like, there's a lot more than just the the Ryan Tuberty. Uh, you know, last week we were told that the cost of the Renault, the three Renault gigs, the one in Cork and the two others, uh, was forty five thousand euro. This week we find actually that wasn't the full story. On top of actually paying for all of the gigs, they actually built a set, an RTE set okay, yeah. that was transported to three different venues. Uh, that cost the taxpayer okay. another twenty three thousand euro. Okay, like, oh, okay. this just keeps on going on and on and on. Okay, I watched it yesterday. As I say, Geraldine O'Leary, the commercial director of RT, got an awful grilling. At times, it was very personal. I thought um, she may have spent um, that kind of money looking after clients, totaling one point six million. But this woman is responsible for bringing in one point eight billion euro in revenue to RTE. I mean, it's a it's a it's a phenomenal amount of money. 1.8 million, I should say. Absolutely. Uh, and that is her job, you know, and that's why she is paid the salary she's paid as Director of Commercial uh, Activity at RTE. And, like, everybody understands that, you know, the the hospitality um, is part of that. You know, the wine and dining is part of that. What we don't understand is the actual extravagance that it's gone to. Like, you know... I think if you look at the World Cup, I, I think the notes we got yesterday was there were six people that went there herself, uh, one other, I think, from RT and four clients. But that cost the taxpayer €111,000. Like, I just think that's way, way over the top. You know, as we said, tw- 200 pairs of flip-flops for five grand mm. for a mm. summer party. Mm. Like, you know, there's hospitality and there's entertaining and there's the need to, you know, be nice to your clients and all the rest for them to spend millions of euro on advertising. And that's really important. Nobody's begrudging that. But it's the extravagance that they've gone to um, is, is, is questionable in, in, in relation to all of this. You know, we talked about the U2 concert and, 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 and all of that and the bus that they got from Drumcondra down to Crow Park. Most people know that Drumcondra is just around the corner from Crow Park. But yesterday we found out how much it actually cost to feed the, 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 the 40 guests that were in that dinner in Drumcondra and it cost over five grand. Mm. Like, mm. you know, that's like, there's nobody, I don't know if there's anybody listening to your, 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 your show today that, you know, spends 125 euro per person on a pre-event meal. Like, you know, that's, you know, this is a midday meal. I just don't know. Like, it's, I just think some of this is really, really, you know, it's, it's, it's extravagant. And the point about this year is this is not a commercial company. This isn't, you know, money that you can just, this is public. The person who's paying for that, the person who paid for that meal is one of your listeners who paid for the, the, the TV license. We've had people, I had a letter, Neil, from, uh, from a woman who is struggling. She told me just exactly how much she has at the end of the week uh, to, to, to feed her family, to get by after direct debits are paid. She has been paying for stamps in the post office for her TV license. She hasn't got the 160. Her husband is before the courts uh, in the next week while. 
because they do not have a TV yeah. license. Yeah. And then they learn about this type of extravagance. That's mm. somebody who's trying to do everything right, who's, who's actually got the stamps, didn't get the 160, didn't have a TV license, and then they hear that people on 200 and so thousand euro are just, you know, are, 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 are flashing the okay. cash yeah. uh, to an extreme uh, length. So we know we know of the top 10 earners, but there's also the 100 plus staff member or the staff members who are earning over 100 grand plus, right? Um and also, there is this is a GDPR issue apparently, where they can't be named, although they are publicly paid. And then also, there's the person who had the loan of a car, not quite sure which car company gave it, for five years and gave it back on Tuesday. And we're being told that we also can't know who that person is. Is that right? Look, there's a, there's a lot of coincidences here. Like, is it that or he didn't even know that there was a loan of a car? No, but they were asked uh, yesterday, who are these individuals yeah. and will you publish the list of the 100 plus earners? And they were told well, no. I mean, could the doll be used as privilege to tell us who they are? Well, look, you know, I think that's something that the, the likes of the PAC will, will dig deeper into when they have the executives before them next week. On that list um, of top 100 earners are, you know, the... the the, the, the Ryan Tuberties and the Joe Duffies of this world, their salaries are on that list as well, but their names are not associated with it. Yet RTE publish their names and salaries every year. So there are questions of how do you, pu- you know, you're, you're publishing the top 10 salaries with the names, but yet on this list, you won't publish the names with the salaries. It doesn't make much sense. And I'm sure, you know, this is something that we will get to the, to, to the, to the bottom of. Uh, over the next week or Yeah, so I've got the accurate figure in, in, in defence of Geraldine O'Leary that in the past 11 years she was responsible for bringing in revenue of more than 1.65 billion euro which is 0.1% uh, of um, you know, the commercial relationships that she was spending money on to look after clients. Surely some would say that's a good investment. 1.6 billion? As I said, nobody begrudges the idea and everybody understands that there is a need for hospitality in relation to trying to court the type of investment. There's two things I would say in relation to this here. First of all, it's the extravagance in relation to some of the expending. That's the, that's the problem. It's not the actual spending. It's not the fact that you're taking somebody out for a dinner or whatever. It's the extravagance and the justification of taxpayers' money to, to spend that. The second thing is there's very few other places that they can advertise you know what I mean? Like yes. this isn't, you know, America. This yeah. isn't like, you know, if you want to get the, the, the type of audience that you have, you don't have, you know, outside of Virgin, which is a smaller audience base, it is RTE. They're nearly a monopoly player in the market, you know, so that also has to be brought into account. And I think that when we look at the salaries that are paid to, you know, the, 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 t- the top uh, presenters in RTE, I, I believe that the board, or the at least the chairperson of the board, understands that because she has made the point that where are they going to go? You know, like that she made the point that RTE is bidding against itself. That that there is no they're dominant in the market. So like you know, if you don't want to pay somebody uh, five hundred thousand euro, then don't pay them five hundred thousand euro because where are they going to go for that money? They're not getting that money anywhere else. So why then give a letter to Ryan Tuberty, for instance, saying we guarantee no wage cuts for the next five years? There was, there's no need and, for that because there's nowhere to go, is it? And, you know, of course, well, first of all, that guarantee shouldn't have happened. Like, that's, that's, that's just really, really wrong. Like, why shouldn't it have happened? Because there's 1,800 people working in our team. The people, when that guarantee was being signed, many of those are were on, this was during the time of COVID, many of those were on COVID payments. Uh, ha- they had wages suppressed in the previous year. They had wages cut. 
um, and yet the senior, the CEO, signs a side letter to Ryan Tuberty saying, we're guaranteeing that you will have no cuts over the next five years. Like, that, Neil, I said at the start, what's, what's at the core of this issue? At the core of this issue is the insider culture. The insider culture at the heart of RTE, but also we've had the insider culture in this state for far too long, and we are determined in Sinn Féin to root it out. We've seen it in other areas. We've seen it with, uh, with Catherine Sapone, where she was being, you know, the former minister, where, you know, we had the government trying to create a job for her, um, you know, uh, and using taxpayers' money a bit. We've, we've seen it in terms of Robert Watt, where, you know, the three party leaders came mm. together, forgot about the rules in relation to pay in terms of civil servants, and actually paid them an 80,000 euro extra than what civil servants get. Like, this type of in culture, insider culture of looking after each other at the very, very top when ordinary people and people in the middle are just left to paddle their own canoe. Okay. It's absolutely okay. wrong, it is rotten, and it needs to be rooted out. And if it's, out. if it's going to be rooted out, does that mean that the executive board, which is the, from T. Forbes down, I know she's resigned or whatever, that that executive board needs to be dismissed? Or does the do both boards have to go, or what? I think if you're looking at any of the, you know, the, the, the three meetings that we've had, and there will be more because we'll have Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly coming before meetings also, and it's important to hear them, and it's important to hear the likes of D Forbes, and everybody's voice should be should be heard in, in relation to this here. But if you're to take any comfort, it is probably from the strong words of the chairperson of the board, Shuan Uralia. She made it very clear yesterday in her opening statement and she's been quite strong over the last week while in relation to this year about the executive board she made the point that they are losing confidence in them uh, she makes the point that they can't trust the information that they're given uh, as a board from the executive but you see there's uh, where the confusion is who needs two boards what private company has two separate boards well, look, the, you know that 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 is part of the problem, uh, and it's not just in a question of whether they whether the directors are become you know boards. Like we have people that are head of functions, so we have people who are head of finance, head of commercial, and the question is: is are those people the people to lead RTE into the future? Can they regain the trust of the public? I am very clear. My party is very clear. They are not. Okay. Uh, and we have said that to, to the government. We have said last week to the government, we cannot trust what is coming out from RTE. The chairperson of the board said the same yesterday. So therefore, we need to appoint our own people in there uh, to find out what is actually going on. And those individuals at the senior executive uh, level need to consider. Do you, just one or two more questions. Do you think, or do Sinn Féin think, that there shouldn't be dual funding where they have the licence fee which is a lovely comfort blanket for them, but also incredible vast amounts of money from commercial and sponsorship revenue. Look, they, they are dual funded, um, and I don't think that the, the fact that they're dual funded is the reason for this. You know, none of the funders uh, forced the executive to create this type of secret hidden deal for the, the top. Well, it, well no, it is very relevant because if it was all license fee, they wouldn't have all of these commercial deals going on and these sweethearts and the Fleetwood Macs and the Bruce Springsteens and the private Lo- London, Lo- Soho London Club. And if it was totally commercial um, and no licence fee, then there would be no waste of taxpayers' money. So either well, one works. That, not, that, that is not guaranteed. That is absolutely not guaranteed. And, and, and I'll, I'll give you a word, uh, you know, to, to explain that. Wes, 
Quest was publicly funded. They had no commercial funding. And yet they were involved in all of this here. They were, you know, we remember back into that type of insider culture where there were the extravagance that was going on within that organization publicly funded. At the heart of this, I go back to this here. This is insider culture. This is a this is a rot that has to be rooted out. It, at the very very heart of this year, it wasn't Reynolds. It wasn't you know it, it wasn't anybody else. It was the executives of the board who created, and particularly the CEO okay. who created, uh, who made a decision to ensure that Ryan Tuberty got an extra payment that was not disclosed to the public. And of course, the heart of it. You know, and and to answer your question, there is a commission on on the future of media. There is a working group established. We need to see the publication of that working group. Uh, And yes, there is a a wider question in relation to the funding of, of public broadcasting, but I wouldn't allow you know, what happened here at an executive level to be blamed on the dual funding. It's not. These, these are decisions that were made by people. Uh, well, what's Sinn Féin's policy then, if and when you're in government? Although the recent opinion polls see a serious downturn for support for Sinn Féin. But if you ever were, um, would you allow this model to continue? Well, first of all, I think the recent opinion poll had is at 31%, which is a 1% drop, Niall, when all the other parties were below 20%. Uh, so just, just just to put that into into context. And as I said, what we want to see is we want to see the working group that was established following from the Commission, uh, the future of the Commission of the Media reporting on, and to let's look at the options in relation to how the funding stream goes forward. But there is... But do, you have a, do you have a personal opinion on what, what it should be? No, well, what, what, no, what I want is I want, like in government, you will look at the experts to actually report back to you. Yeah, but put on your big you boy's do. pants now and tell me what you would do if you had the call on it. Well, what I would do is I would wait till I hear what the experts are saying, looking at the options that are in front of me, and then I would consider those options and I would make a decision on it. You know, that's how you deal with big issues in terms of the future. But I would say that RTE have seriously damaged themselves. When RTE has been coming before us in the last number of years with the beg and bowl, looking for an increase in the licence fee, um, you know, the, the, the next time they come before us and say this, and give the same mantra, then there would be serious questions. Can you actually trust RTE that there is a, that there is these type of deficits in the first place? There is an issue. There is absolutely no doubt about it in relation to the need for additional funding in terms of RTE. The way that that is brought about has to be looked at, and that is why we need to see the, the work of the working group okay. Uh, and, okay. and consider that properly. Okay, okay. If, if, you. if you were on either of these, what, would you have any particular question for either Ryan Tuberty, Noel Kelly or D Forbes? Uh, well, I, I, I would. Um, I would particularly want to hear from Dee Forbes because the executive has kind of all pointed the finger at her. Mm. Um, and it appears that, yes, she had her fingerprints all over it. But I think she will have a lot to say mm. in relation to the fact that many of the executives, the current executive of RTE, also had their fingerprints all over this. And I think it would be really, really valuable for the public to hear from uh, to hear from 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 Deep Woods. Okay, and just I, I know I have to wrap this up because you have other things to do. But okay, you are correct about being down one percent in the opinion poll to thirty one percent. But do you expect that to drop even further? We're looking forward to a giveaway budget. This is going to be um, uh, maybe a stone in the shoe of Sinn Fein, won't it? A giveaway budget planned for the autumn. First of all, we will continue to press government to do the right thing in relation to, to, to budgets to make sure that people are protected in terms of the cost of living crisis, that we have further support for renters, that we have mortgage interest relief. We'll continue to put these issues on the agenda. If we are able to be successful in convincing government to do that in budget time, then that's a good day out for Sinn Féin. Where I see, where I hope to see Sinn Féin 
uh, in the next number of uh, uh, months is to continue to grow in, in support. We don't take our support for granted at all. Uh, we know we have to do hard work, but we have the team. We have the energy and we have the vision to deliver. And I think people right across the state are recognising that it is time to give Sinn Féin a chance. And, and that means continuing to grow our support so that at the next election that we can be part of it and, and, and hopefully lead the next government and what, deliver the real change what, that people, in my view, are crying out for. One of the worries that people have, though, is that any bit of wealth that they might have built up over their lifetime from hard work, you tax the hilt out of them, take it all from them. You, you know, that's the big problem with Sinn Féin, is we don't know where they are with regards to people's income or their personal wealth. Well, look, that's the mantra that you get from Fine Gael. Um, You know, that's the kind of tax that you get. Let me be very clear. Nobody earning less than €100,000 will see an increase in personal tax rates. That's, that's, you know, the reality is that they will actually benefit from Sinn Féin because we want to see, for okay. example, an abolition of the household charge. We want to see mortgage interest relief. We want to see additional relief for renters. We want to take the USC, the first 30000 out of the tax net, benefiting all of these workers. You know, Finnegale will do the scare tactics. And to me, that shows that they are a party devoid of solutions. We're not going to be going down that uh, road. We want to talk about the solutions, how we're going to build the biggest house pr- pr- uh, building programme in the history of the state, how we're going to fix the scandal of people lying on trolleys and ho- uh, hospital A&Es. That's the solution, that's the vision, that's the positivity that Sinn Féin's going to bring under Mary Lou Macdonald. And hopefully, hopefully, and we take it, we don't take it for granted, but hopefully we will continue to win the hearts and minds of the Irish public in a way that will, for the first time, deliver a government led by a party other than Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Okay. That's really what the state is proud Okay, about. let's see what happens as uh, time goes by. Pierce Doherty, thanks for taking the call. Pierce Doherty, Sinn Féin finance spokesperson. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. One of the aspects from yesterday was the unnamed RTE staff member who had a loan of a car for five years. The RTE Director General Adrian Lynch, he's the interim Director General, was at the media committee um, and uh, he said that this kind of a, an, this was not an arrangement that was approved by anyone uh, within RT. It was Timmy Dooley, the TD, who actually asked the question on that one. Um, and it was yesterday afternoon. This was some of the new news that we heard about. Is there any brand ambassador with a car from Renault or whoever who is also in receipt of a car allowance from RT? In terms of, I'm aware of one instance uh, where somebody was had a loan of a car. My understanding is that car has been returned uh, and that individual is a staff member of RTE. So there and will how be... long would the car have been on loan? Uh, I believe for a period of five years. Yeah. This is not right. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, so and, and that, was, and that was not approved. What car that was on loan for five years, do you know when that was returned? Yesterday. Upstairs, isn't it? Thanks. Did, did someone in OT after five years hand the car in yesterday? Who was that? For a GDPR, we can't say. So if the PAC asked tomorrow, will you answer the PAC tomorrow? Yeah, well, yeah, we can't disclose the person's name, but I just wanted to make a full disclosure that that happened. But the, what was the car handed in after five years yesterday? Yes, it was. Okay, it wasn't your car, was it? Was it which? Wasn't yours, no. Wasn't your car, no. No, it wasn't my car. 
There's going to be speculation at the moment. A lot of people at who that person is, and I think if yeah. you narrowed it down and gave us what the role of that person, I think it would rule out an awful lot of other people that are staff within yeah. the organisation. So I, I would yeah. ask you again, can you tell us whether it's whether yeah. it's board member, executive, uh, talent or staff? Yeah, I, I, I can't do that because it'll be too specific and lead to speculation. So I, I assume by that there's a narrow group of people that if you did say what it was in, there's a very small group of people within that. That's correct. No, so I can read into that. Uh, so. Point being, if it's a small group of people, he's suggesting that it's somebody from on air. Tony, good morning. Morning, Neil. Um, there's speculation that it was Renault. Do we know that or not? Well, the question is how many more cars were given out? Yeah. Was benefit and kind claimed against tax? Had they fuel? Had they insurance? Was the car maintained? Was the car, was it no car every year for five years? You know, Adrian Lynch, yesterday when he spoke, he actually spoke to the committee. He had a smirk on his face. He, he, guys he, an, he answered the question honestly, and he said there was. He, he said one. I don't believe he answered it honestly. Well, how else do you think we found out that somebody had the loan of a car for five years and only gave it back on Tuesday if he didn't answer the question? Well, he didn't, he didn't name the person, he didn't name the... No, department. but that is, that is interesting, because we know of all of the other ambassador deals, brand ambassadors, that the presenters have with car companies, right? Because they were all listed and they were all named and all of the different uh, side deals that they have. If this is another presenter with the loan of a car for five years, why don't we know who that person is? The name should have been publicly disclosed yesterday. It should have been. And then the, the question is, was, was there more of these sweetheart deals done with other car companies? There was, was the there was a lot of sweetheart deals done by presenters outside of their RTE gigs. Yes. Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, tubs of Flahavans, Porridge and the on-air and stuff. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. and they were getting huge amounts of money again, which was a conflict of interest. Now, there was one very interesting point yesterday about Larry Bass. He had they to quit, didn't he? He just... He had to quit because they said it was a conflict of interest. But yes, a journalist or a presenter can do a podcast... And that's also a conflict of interest, but they seem to be able to bend the rules for the top people all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're, you're quoted in your text as saying that, uh, that it's RT is corrupt, or is it the country I is corrupt? I, I think it's, this is, look, this is taking the legs off the government in, in other areas because the whole focus at the moment is an RT. Then they probably but, like that. Yes, because it's taking the onus off of and the housing crisis, what's coming down the tracks in, in, in relation to housing, in relation to other matters that, that need more, well, not more urgent attention, but need certainly need attention. And by having RT before these committees, it's deflecting. No, but we, but we need to know about things like the fact that they have an annual membership of an exclusive private club in London. We need to yes. know how much they spent on flip-flops for a summer party. Five of grand in, in anybody's pocket that would have been hard-earned and would be wisely spent, but not with yeah. them. I, and when, uh, when they gave the, the, the 200 pairs, they were all 35 euros a pair. Like, who, who, who signed off for this? Who decided to get it? Who bought the Phil Collins tickets? Who bought you two tickets? Who bought the Bruce Springsteen tickets? Robbie Williams tickets, Robbie Ed Sheeran Williams. tickets, Fleetwood yes, Mac right. tickets. Yes, it's just, it just... Neil, it's rotten. From the inside out, but it, look, it's a stimic in in, in semi-state bodies. It's it, it's rotten. And uh, look, the question is: Will any of the board be removed? Will the executive board be removed? Very likely, I would think. But Very likely. That 
that, that the board will be removed. I think that the executive board will be gone. This will be, be all, a lot of the people that you saw at those committees representing RTE will yes. be gone as soon as Backhurst gets his feet under the table. But look, is Ritter going to be the same? Like, there's no way coming in. He's going to have some job to turn this around because, honest to God, the people out there can't put food in the table. I know when this is going on, do you honestly think people are going to buy a television license? You see, when 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 you jewel fund any any organisation. But here's what I'm here's what I'm going to do, right? Mine is due for renewal, and I'm going to just put it on hold and see what happens. Just going to watch and see what happens and see who calls at the door. Um, if I if I get a red letter, I'll pay it. But I'm just interested. Oh. I pay it every year, but I'm just curious to see what happened now. But see, Neil, as as long as the license as it stands, nobody actually knows how much has been collected through the license because if you you can't trust RTE to give accurate figures. If it was funded through central government, the government would have some idea of how much is going through. The coffers in RTE. Matty McGrath yesterday said that he wants the fraud squad and the Gardaí. He says oh, they're the only people. Somebody else is suggesting by text oh, that the Criminal Assets Bureau should come in. Your thoughts on that finally? I said it to you yesterday morning, Anil, that the fraud squad should have been in there from the start. The other statutory body that will get to the very end of this. We don't need to be putting in an old competency company or auditors and pay them to go in and go through the books. Send in the fraud squad and let the fraud squad handle it to the statutory arm of the state and let them go in and sort it out. Okay. Okay, thanks as always. Stay in touch. Thanks, Tony. Text 0868104106 and we'll pick that up and lots more besides after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. See also that we have our own giveaways going on here as well. Carrigaline Court Hotel have given us access to Sally's Tea Room at the four-star Carrigaline Court Hotel. And we have another table for four of you for afternoon tea with Prosecco to give away this morning. And tomorrow, it'll be 22 of you. You can bring yourself and 21 others. Indeed, you, if you win tomorrow, get overnight bed and breakfast for two people at the Carrigaline Court Hotel, including dinner and afternoon tea. So that's tomorrow. The question we're asking is what three famous people, alive or dead, would you invite to your afternoon tea and why? So you can text 0868 104 106 on that one and I'll come back to it a little later on this morning. Uh, hi, I was on about the company cars last week at RT. What I'd like to know now is how many of the top 25 earners at RT are related to those in Fine Gael or Fine Fall. My guess would be about 20. Another one, RT are trying to wash their dirty linen in public because they could not wash it in private, you see. They argued for some time amongst themselves and then somebody said they would go to government in all probability and tell the truth. Management at RT are pathetic and should be told by the committee to go back and do a decent day's work rather than asking the government to sort out all of their affairs. They no longer, uh, the longer they are at the committee, the less work will be done and less problems will be served. I think a lot will be served by this myself, actually. Uh, I think it's almost like a cleansing, if you like. Why do RT continue to flip-flop around the answers? Well, because they love flip-flops. That's why, because they spent a vast amount of money on flip-flops. €5,000 they spent on flip-flops for a summer party. That worked out at €25 in and around per pair of flip-flops. You wouldn't want them going around in pennies, flip-flops, I suppose. 
the uh, Penny's Essential Flat Flip Flops are retailing at €1.30 a pair. But yet they pay nearly 25 times that for the flip-flops that they buy. So that's why there's all this flip-flopping. Why does RT need two boards? Do other companies follow this practice of two boards? No. Private sector, you wouldn't. And clearly it's led to all sorts of confusion. Did you see Varadkar expressing confidence in the RT board yesterday in the doll and Simon Coveney sitting next to him? Coveney's brother's on the board. What a show. Um, on RTE, why did the previous government ministers who oversee the media never even check RTE themselves from time to time. The book stops, stops with government. They allowed RTE to do whatever they wanted, says Desi. Uh, that's the best politician you've had on your show for a long time. Well done. That's a reference to Pierce Doherty's conversation with me before 10. A lot of people talking of uh, Simon Coveney's brother working in RTE. He seemed very quiet. Uh, why not get him on or even mention this to the listeners? I've said this on a number of occasions. The man's entitled to a job, incidentally. You know, everybody's entitled to go out to work of a morning. Uh, Rory Coveney has been strategic advisor to the Director General of RTE since uh, 2011. Um, amongst other roles, the uh, somebody else suggesting that CAB, the Criminal Assets Bureau, should be called in and they should strip themselves of everything they have, just like others. It was obtained illegally and under false pretension, pretenses. That's why we need CAB. I find it rich of Pierce Doherty to be talking about Ryan Tuberty's pay when Sinn Féin telling us for years that they were all on the average industrial wage. Turns out that wasn't true either. Um, it's not just RTE. Look at today's Independent. Yes, I did see it. An HSC worker earned almost a million euro last year. Uh, that worker, who apparently, from what I can see, was a consultant uh, for the HSC, uh, earned €980,000 uh, last year. That amount of money paid to a hospital consultant. Now, it did include back money and allowances, but it was still paid nearly a million uh, last year. Um, there's quite a lot of other uh, details with regards to people's pay, including Paul Reed, uh, who stepped down last December and earned just under 400 grand last year. Another one. I don't know if you've been to Croker for a match or a concert, but in my opinion, to get a coach into Croker for matches or concerts, you'd need a guard escort. Did this coach of executives get an escort from Drunkandra to Croke Park? Um, one more here. I'm sick of this RT scandal. While we were being fed bits of new information every day, a lot of the reporting on this whole thing is a complete speculation and people spitting out about something they really don't understand or know anything about. RTE is a public service. At the end of the day, the buck stops with government. Where was the government when RTE were crying out for more money? Where was the government when RTE was trying to increase the licence fee? Where were the, why were their alarm bells going off then? Uh, a detailed investigation into how money was spent in RTE should have happened long time ago. And it was the government's responsibility. They're up and they're high horses now. Maybe they should be the ones under scrutiny for letting it get this far. Um, a lot of the 100 top earners in RTE are sisters and brothers of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael parties. It's only a job for the boys. Uh, when will the board be sacked? And if they are, will they be entitled to a big payoff? And uh, one final one for now. You stated that Geraldine O'Leary brought in 1.65 billion euro. However, she herself said the majority of the clients are retention-based meaning that most of the 1.6 billion wasn't brought in by Geraldine. It was just existing repetitive business. I wonder what the new business figure was. 
She also mentioned her mental health being impacted due to Twitter and the newspapers. Basically, the backlash from RTE, scandalous actions, dubious management and attempted fraud. I have no sympathy for her or the other executives. You're entitled to your opinion. I was just trying to put things in perspective. I thought that I think it got quite personal yesterday regarding the commercial director. I think there are a lot of questions to be answered. I think she's been grilled fairly robustly over the last couple of weeks. But I, I did sit back and say, wow. Um, 1.65 billion in euro um, uh, is what she brought into the company uh, as commercial director. I think that that's the kind of legacy she'd want to retire with. Unfortunately, she'll be retiring with a, a different legacy. Um, but anyway, that's it. That's the world we live in. It can be difficult. It can be cruel. And it can be invasive. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. The text 0868104106. A lot of people um, who have had their own experiences of coming upon cars or whatever the case may be, driving the wrong way, particularly on motorways. I want to get back to that. And also the amount of teenagers that are now robbing and stealing people's cars, crashing them posting the videos up on TikTok and celebrating it. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, that kind of behaviour at the weekend led to the death of a young Cork boy from the south side. But there are more and more cars being stolen and broken into. I believe that their preferred car is a Japanese import because they don't have immobilizers. Now, the immobilizer that would be fitted in most cars, but not the Japanese imports, that's a security device fitted to the motor vehicle. And you can't start the engine unless you have the correct key or a smart key. It uh, means that if they don't have an immobilizer, that these cars can be hotwired. So that's just a by the way for you. And um, thank you to Maria, who's joining me by WhatsApp because she's actually on our house and needs this like a hole in the head. Maria, we spoke before, didn't we? Yeah, we did, Neil. Hi, good morning. Uh, sorry about this grief that you're going through again. In the past, you had your car. Tell me how many times were either your car or your mam's car stolen or damaged? Yeah. So my car, um, the first time they, they broke into it, they, they actually couldn't get it started. They never got away with it, but they did like €2,000 worth of damage. Then three weeks later, because my mom gave me a loan of her car, they did her car and her car had to be rolled off because they couldn't even get the parts for it. Um, and now I, I came away and you speak of grief. I actually am grieving my dad at the minute. Like, oh, I'm, sorry I, I'm literally in Turkey spreading his ashes. Oh, really, and Maria? I really oh, so didn't sorry. need this phone call. Yeah. Oh. Um, and my neighbor, just like my old neighbor, my mom's house, texted and said, random question, but are you home? And I was said, no, I'm in Turkey. And he said, um, I saw two people take your car out of the park last night at Hap Swan and I was like, what? And he said, are you sure it wasn't any of your family members? I said, no, because nobody has a key. I have the key with me. And I just, he took a picture of the car gone and I was like, oh, God. Is this from I where? Really from, where this. from where was it? Uh, Grange. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, because I'm living on the north side now, so I didn't want to leave my car there while I was on holidays because I was like, no, I I feel safer if it was in my mom's house in Grange. No, it doesn't matter. Nowhere is safe right now. Okay, was it it taken and was it found subsequently? Uh, Yeah, so um, I asked him to call the guards and just to make the report that like he'd seen people take the car or whatever. Um, And then the guard called me yesterday and while I was speaking to him, um, he said that I was going to have to make a statement, but wait until I come back. And I said, was the car not found already? Like it's the morning time. 
And he said, hold, bear with me. So he went and he checked and he said, yeah, it was actually found um, Douglas Golf Course. So I don't know if they actually drove it onto the golf course. Actually, um, it was found on admission. the golf course. On the golf course, yeah. Oh yeah, so God. like the ignition torn out, glass window, fly window broken again and God only knows what other damage it was done he didn't tell me like What is it? Is, um, it, a, so is it like a Toyota? Is it a Nissan? What kind of a car is it? Uh, Toyota, yeah. Okay, it's, is it, it's what, a Japan import as well so there's Japanese no immobilizer. Japanese import so there's no immobilizer and they can hotwire those yeah. cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what's even worse? So the thing was I was going to get the immobilizer and then I'm thinking like they're still going to attempt to get it will, because yeah. they won't know whether there's an immobilizer in it or not. Yeah. So like like the last time they attempted it, like it's still enough damage, you know, my insurance is not going to cover everything this time. I was lucky enough, fortunate enough the last time. But like they're going to be like, no, you're having a laugh. Like it happened again. <laughs> like, so I, I often wonder about that actually it. for those that are selling Japanese import cars. Do they tell people firstly that they are a Japanese import, the garages, and do they tell them secondly that they can be hotwired and that the security system no way. doesn't exist? They I wasn't told anything like that, no. Absolutely not. And the thing is, I love the car. Like, it's such a good car. It's so economic. Like, it cost me 20 euros a week on gas. And, like, I'm driving a lot. So, like, it's really, really good car. Like, it's just... Like, the the problem is not the car getting stolen. The problem is these kids are getting away with it. And there's nothing. Like, your hands are tied. I literally did some investigating yesterday and I found who did it in two hours because it was clearly my car was up on that child. I say child because 14 years old. It was up on his Snapchat. What did you and see on mother, Snapchat? My car. Literally, the back of my car, like, taken at one one twenty in the morning. And what what kind yeah. of caption was with the photograph? I mean, what was the, the child saying? I didn't see the caption, but like the 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 lady who sent it to me was like, "Is this your car?" I said, "Yep, that's it." She said, "Um, there's been seven of those cars in the last week. Apparently, the that child who died." They're all friends of his and they're paying respect by going out stealing more cars. Yes, they are paying respect to him by saying things, rest in peace, at least we had a good night last night, got yeah. five cars in one night. Um, yep. That's that's actually, that's, a, that's shocking to hear people saying things. It's shocking. Like and it's more shocking that they're so young. Like... When my neighbour said, oh, I like, he thought it was me taking the car at hops one in the morning and going around the green like a lunatic. He's like, I, I just, I was like, he said I was kind of confused because I was like, is she not used to the car yet? She's driving kind of erratically. Like, yeah, and, and anyway, half past oh one in the morning, you wouldn't be. But so the, it was put on. And how do you know that the fella that took it was 14? It's, listen, Neil, you just do a little one, two, three investigating. Two people call me that they know of and, and they know of him and, they, you know, even their kids know of him. And that he's 14 he's well years known, old. Apparently. So he's, he's yep. 14, he's well known and he's stolen seven cars this week. Yep. What? What is, what, yep. where do his parents think this guy is? Um. I, 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 all I know is he lives with his mom, and yeah, that's it. Or she can't control him, or he gets out of bed at night, or she just has she has no control just over care, the Seven cars. I don't know where, where, like, if if your kid was fourteen and out of out of the house, that happens one at night. What would you do, like? 
Debbie War, I can tell you that. But, you know, yeah, you know, know. P- posting the videos on TikTok, of course, is kind of like a mm. badge of honour. And it actually encourages Brazen. others to do it. And then they're trying to outdo each other. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like it's just brazen. They have no idea of the repercussions of the stuff that they're doing. Like they just don't like they don't care. And it's just it's horrific. Like I have to go home now and I have to see about getting a new car and you know, how am I gonna to get to work next week? It's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, Sorry, I know, gonna, me. Uh, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's okay. Forgive me. Um apologies for that. But uh, I, I do know that, you know, you've got enough to be dealing with with your dad's ashes without this you, you must be yeah. you must be very angry. I'm already angry. Yeah. I'm so angry. Yeah. Like and I'm yeah. I'm trying to like calm myself I was just kind of getting that like a little bit calmer and then I got this news and it just brings me right back to being really angry and angry at everybody like just not only that kid like he's he's, a, he's only a child you know but it's just where where is this coming from why are they doing this I just don't get it like yeah there's a woman in hospital actually a woman in her 30s who was coming home from a night's work um, for the Mitchellstown crash head-on collision with one of these cars, stolen cars, <laughs> crashing right into her. Um, we need to bear that in mind. It is a tragedy that a young man, That's a young boy horrific. has died. But there's an innocent woman whose life has changed forever because of this. And at 14, of course, they are also yeah. untouchable, right? Untouchable? What, what do they go to? Juvenile hall or something? And then maybe onto prison? I have no idea. Oh, no, no, that, that like, doesn't happen. No, no, no. It doesn't happen. So, do you need any help with the car or anything? I don't even know where to start now, Neil, to be fair. <laughs> I haven't even like, got in touch with my insurance company because I know it's like two euros a minute and I'll be on hold for an hour. Yeah, so, I'll like, just, I'll just I have to wait until I get back. Wait until you get back. <laughs> but if you need help with the immobilizer or the window or whatever the case may be and the insurance won't, won't pay out, I know that there would be people that would like to help in that regard, you know? So... Yeah. If you had known that it was a Japanese import, um, would you have bought it? Uh, I only have it a year, so even last year it wasn't that, like, you know, knowledgeable that they were stealing the Japanese imports. And then over the summer it just kind of got crazy and then it quietened down an awful lot again. And now I guess they're out of school, they're, you know, running amok around Cork. My understanding is it's only the Japanese imports they're going for because it's just a, 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 a gra- smash and grab job. Easy you know? for them. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. All right. Listen, uh, Maria, um, get home safely. Do what you have to do. What's really important, and that is your late father's ashes, and deal with it when you come back. And yeah. if you need any, need any help, do let me know. I will. Thank you so much. All right, girl. Take care. Bye for now. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. You know, with regards to driving uh, or driving habits, uh, I was driving home the other night. Someone on the N28 was driving towards me up the Rochestown slip by Rochestown Church. It's a regular occurrence, unfortunately. They're literally going the wrong way. I held my horn and the guy driving towards me had no idea why I was flashing or beeping him. He was oblivious. Uh, I live in Killarney and tourists are driving on the wrong side of the road regularly. It's just terrifying. You'll get that with tourists who drive actually on the other side of the road to us. When they come here, they literally forget. Um, Perhaps we do it when we go overseas from time to time too. I had a lucky escape going down the link, getting off at the Mahan Point slip as I met a guy with a big jeep coming down towards me. So I stopped straight away 
He did a U-turn. What he meant to do was go to the cross by the lights. He was going to be in queue, but he just mistook the turn. I was lucky that I wasn't doing speed, says Marie. There's that and lots more besides by text after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, you can get involved. Text 0868-104-106. I see a text coming in from Track and Trace. Uh, they fit in, They fit all sorts of uh, uh, equipment into cars, so you can track your car. You'll know exactly where it is at any given time, and you can remotely disable the engine of your car as well. Um, I know this company because I don't have one in my car, but I have one of these Track and Trace systems on a rib so I always know where it is. It can tell me everything about it and check the engine on it and the bilge on it. And it's got a, uh, all sorts of different immobilizers and alarms on it. And you control it from your phone. So thank you to Track and Trace. I may talk to Track and Trace actually about this because it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. But they said, would you please tell her that we will fit a free tracker for her next car or this one if she holds on to it. And this will also disable the engine. Never mind the fact that you'll know where the car is at all times and you will have access to it. Uh, on a screen and a map on your phone. It's a fabulous piece of tech. Check it out for yourself, Track and Trace. I may talk to them uh, in the uh, next few days, but that's at least something for Maria. Um, I didn't know that when she was on the phone to me. It may come as some consolation. Um, you know, what do you do with a 14-year-old? Because right? here we have now, say, a damaged car or a written-off car or a burnt-out car. So, And in this case, without being too personal about this perp, this young fella, um, let's say he is just being reared by his mother alone. Um, and again, I don't want to get too personal about this, but there, there are a couple of different scenarios that come to mind straight away. One is that if, if, if 14 year olds are out stealing cars in the middle of the night, that their parents don't care. Or it's a scenario that they just can't control the child, um, that the child is just wild, won't listen, um, and could be verbally or physically abusive to a parent or parents. That could easily happen. So what would the point being in billing the parents for the damage caused by the 14-year-old? Would that be a way to go? Uh, text 086-8104-106 on that one. Um, yesterday, we had uh, two different sides of the same conversation. We had the union representing the workers at the library who will have a rally tomorrow. And then we had one of the people that leads the protests and the rallies, the counter-rallies against the book, This Book is Gay, Ross Lahive on air with me. Uh, massive response to that. Absolutely massive. Loads and loads of people um, texting on it. And I will come to some of those texts throughout the course of the morning. But this has to do with the safety of the staff doing their work in the library as library staff and librarians. So it got quite heated yesterday. Um, uh, not, not by me, actually. I was just trying to work my way through the conversation uh, with Ross, but I was curious as to, and I was talking to a union rep yesterday who represents the workers at Cork City Library, but Eamon uh, Kerwin is a retired member of the library staff. He's retired something in around seven years now. Eamon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are no, you? Lovely to talk to you, and I understand okay. the reticence of current staff um, not wishing to come on air. I get that because they're probably afraid, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, there are legitimate ways to protest and this is not one of them in my book. This is intimidating ordinary working people simply trying to do their job. And we're not talking just about the library, but we're talking about a bookshop in the city as well. We've been talking about pharmacies in the city. And these are just ordinary working people trying to do a decent, good job. 
and what they're having to endure in terms of people standing in front of them, tearing up books, filming them, putting those images up on social media is just reprehensible in my book. What would the right way be to protest if that's the wrong way? I think there's any number of ways. And I mean, it is difficult, particularly for the public library service, because, you know, the bookshop and the pharmacy and whatever are private property in one sense. The public library is accessible to everybody. And controlling that kind of behaviour can be difficult in that regard. But there are legitimate ways to protest. Um, For example, they could stand outside the building. They could get petitions. They could organise a march. They can contact councillors. They can contact the censorship board if they feel a publication or publications are wrong. Um, They can contact City Hall, whatever. There are innumerable okay. ways that you can legitimately express... You didn't your, allow your the option of them going into the actual library itself amongst the books. You don't no, countenance I, that as being acceptable, do you? I think that's where that gives the sense that staff feel intimidated, where they feel unsafe. That is simply doing it the wrong way. There are many, many ways you can do it. And... Um, I think, you know, you're talking about people here who have protested not just the book and this particular situation, but also on other issues like the vaccine and Mm. um, migrant. Mm. You know, my personal opinion is they're just looking for a headline. Uh, no, it is, no, actually, in, in fairness, it's a very divisive book and people have opinions of it. They don't go to those kind they, of extremes, but I have read the book. There are parts of it that I think are very well written. There are parts of it that I would not... This is personal to me now. And nobody oh. else has this opinion, just me. Uh, but there are parts of it that I would be very uncomfortable if a very young child... Um, I understand exploring your sexuality, but it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a guidebook in, in many ways, um, that could lead to all sorts of issues for a child if they were to follow a lot of there the are, advice, but there, there, there are legitimate ways. The library have a duty to inform and educate through reading on all topics, including sexuality for teenagers, younger people. Including uh, how to perform sex acts on other people or themselves? Really? I, I, yeah, I think... I haven't read the book now, I have to admit that. Okay. But I, I think um, you have to have discussion you you have to have information in front of you to be able to talk about things and make informed decision. And I would say there's a censorship of publication board that exists in this country that can ban a book if they feel it's immoral or it's giving out um, wrong information or whatever. Well, maybe and they maybe they would do that if they, and they may well be afraid to do it because they could get the backlash of a very vocal section of society who are very powerful with regards to what they say and how they say it. And they just might be afraid. Um, I don't... Look, the right to protest is legitimate, but the way they're doing it is is wrong. Here's the problem. It's the filming of staff in their face. Isn't that the problem? It's the filming of staff and coming in and being physically present, standing in front of staff. Staff who had to look at a book being torn up in front of them. That's not the way to protest legitimately in my book. That's very unfair on ordinary working people trying to do their job. Have you spoken to existing um, library colleagues? I have talked to a couple of library staff 
and they feel unsafe. They feel it's intimidation. And, you know, you, you're not hitting the policymakers here. You're not hitting the people who can make decisions. You're hitting the ordinary people, either the library, the bookshop or whatever, who are just working on the ground trying to do their job. Mm. That's not right. Mm. Mm. This would all stop if the book was removed, though. You know that. Well, you see, you can't do that. That's but this is not anything exclusive to Cork. People are protesting against this book all over the world. Just look at America. There's murder over it in America. Yeah, and America have banned substantial number of books from school libraries. And the school board, no, you can agree or disagree with the, some of the books they've taken off. But a school board meets, they make a decision. Democratically elected school board members meet. They make a decision. We're not having this. We're not having that. Yeah. Um, there are ways and means that if you object to a certain publication or object to vaccines or whatever, there are ways and means that you can protest and you can make your case without doing it this okay. way. Okay. And will you be there tomorrow? I will, yeah. Okay. And I know a number of my other retired colleagues will be there. Right. Look, Neil, they're doing this the wrong way. You can't intimidate ordinary working people who just want to feel safe at work. Um, do you think that there might be problems tomorrow because there will be a counter-rally as well? Well, no. I, uh, my intention there is just to highlight the fact that staff feel intimidated now, that a minority of people cannot decide um, what you can or cannot read. There are ways and means of going about changing okay. uh, policy. Okay. But I will be there peacefully just to make the point that um, what they're doing is the wrong way to do it. Mm, okay, appreciate that. Half past 12 tomorrow uh, outside the City Library on the Grand Parade. Eamon Kerwin, thank you for taking the call. Retired member of the library staff uh, from Grand Parade. Text 0868104106. I'll talk to Neil after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Neil, good morning. Morning. Um, you have read the book, uh, This Book is Gay, um, and considering what the horrific abuse that you suffered as a child from 5 to 13, you were sexually abused. Is, I, I can't remember now, forgive me, I read the book, I know you did also. Is there a section on it and grooming and paedophilia and sexual abuse? Um, there isn't. Uh, it doesn't go into that much detail, but it does cover consent. It covers um, sexual uh, in between same gender and opposite gender. It also covers the age of consent and it supplies you with support and numbers in the back of it yeah. of people who you can talk to. Okay, but it doesn't so, actually specifically talk about, you know, warning or what to do in the case of. It, it talks an awful lot more about um, the sexual preferences of gay people. It does, yeah. but it also does cover um, the different types of sex that um, would have alerted me as a young child. Thank you. Tell me about that. Context. If you had had that book as a young child, tell me about that. Yeah, so if I had access to a book when I was going through the abuse, it would have highlighted to me that the type of abuse I was going through was for adults or people of age. Um, and it's not something that a child of my age should be going through at that time. So it would have highlighted that for me and then it would have been able to advise me of that there were support numbers there for me to contact and for me to speak to adults who would have been in a position to help me. 
um, and they would have been able to advise me also on what was going on and whether it was legal or illegal and um, who else I could go towards. So they would obviously have advised me to go and contact with the guards at that stage, which could have ended the abuse at an earlier age for me without me then having to stop the age of the age, the abuse at the age of 13. Which is what you did. You confronted your abuser at 13. That's correct. Yeah. 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 It was at that stage they realised that what you had been yeah. going through for something like eight years was yeah. clearly um, um, wrong. Yeah. And I do believe books like this book is gay and other books that are available that highlight um, sex and different forms of sex to young adults. Um, and even like, like at the age of 13 for me, when I was, I suppose, not willing or consenting to be involved in sexual activities, it would have highlighted it for me and I would have been able to know what was going on was wrong and I would have been able to act quicker and would have been able to stop the abuse or would have been able to highlight it with people at a younger age and been able to hopefully stop the, the abuse at that age. Yeah, but you must have really and truly struggled emotionally for all of those years with what was happening to you. You must have. Yeah, and I didn't understand because I was told that it was a form of love within the family. And so to me, I believe that everyone was going through this in their own families. Really? You thought that this was perfectly normal? Yeah. Yeah, until I would have had access to a book like This Book is Gay and realised that what I was going through was not for somebody of my age. Uh, And do do you mind me uh, asking, when you eventually decided that this has to stop, I must do something about it, did you confide in somebody at that stage? I had. I confided in family members. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't go any further. So then, at the age of 13, then I myself stopped the abuse. I approached the abuser and I told them that it wasn't going to continue, that I was aware of what was going on was wrong. I no longer wanted to be in contact with that person. And I was at, I asked if I could be driven home. And I was. And I no longer saw that person again. OK, I won't, I won't dwell on that, obviously, for personal and, and legal reasons. But did that, did that subsequently at any stage then lead to you talking to Rape Crisis and Garda Shikana, yeah. anybody like that? It did. Um, I went to court. Um, I went to court approximately five years ago and as a historical sexual abuse case. And I went through the Rape Crisis Centre twice for assistance. Um, and also I went through the Gardaí and I had great support from both parties. And how did that end up? So the court case, is it? Yes. So that ended up being thrown out because unfortunately witnesses to it um, weren't able to give their full account or weren't able to give uh, I suppose uh, matching information and then the case got thrown out and he was neither guilty or innocent in okay. the case. It was thrown out because you couldn't get enough corroborating evidence to back up your uh, what happened to you? Yeah. How did that yeah. make you feel? Very disappointed in the people that I brought with me to support me and help me in the case. Very disappointed. I'd say a lot more than that. You must have been absolutely gutted. I was, yes. Did you struggle after that decision? Um, I did for a short period of time, but I have a fantastic partner and their family got me through it. And um, now at this day, I, I, I quite openly speak about my history and my abuse. And if it's to help anybody else, I'm... I'm quite open to talk about who I went to for support um, and 
just be there for someone for someone to talk to and just be a listening ear for them. And if you had had this kind of, if you had had information at a younger age, um, mm-hmm. it, 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 you, it, you would have stopped it sooner. It still would have happened, but you would have stopped it sooner. Yeah, yeah obviously at the age of five, I wouldn't have had access to a book like this, but maybe at the age of eight, nine, I would have been able to read a book like this, understand it, understand the term consent. I would have been able to understand the sexual um, meanings and explanations in the book and I would have been able to recognise what was happening to me and the age of consent and then I would have been able to put a stop to it. Okay, okay. Okay, thank you so much for coming on. I know it's, I don't know, I mean, I was going to say it must be very difficult to talk about it, but you seem quite open in the sense that uh, it helps other people by you telling people yes. where to go, what to do. It's certainly the Rape Crisis Centre, certainly on Garda Shikana, certainly another yes. adult. Um, and uh, let me remind people of the Rape Crisis Helpline, one eight hundred double seven double eight double eight one eight hundred double seven double eight double eight. Look after yourself, Niamh. Thank you so much for Thank taking the much. call. All the best. Okay. okay. Appreciate it. Um, a lot of texts from uh, the issues involving yesterday's conversation. Um, uh, Neil ought to be duty bound to have people define the term far right and prove how it applies to the protesters at the library. Perhaps you'd like to read on air sections of the book in question. If this is not suitable for your audience, it's not suitable for children. Richie, I did that uh, about two or three months ago. I actually physically don't have a copy of this book is gay right in front of me, but I did go into quite an amount of detail back in that. If you wish me to do so again, I can retrieve that copy from wherever it is. Um, So are you telling me that the union wants to stop protesting and freedom of speech? Can't believe it. It's very interesting, actually. Um, The library is a public place, okay? And so filming in a public place is not illegal. In fact, my understanding of it is uh, if if you're using your mobile phone and filming things on the street uh, and you post it online, there's nothing illegal about that as long as those that are on that piece of video are not underage. So people walking down a pedestrianized street or Patrick Street, Grand Parade, Oliver Plunk Street, somebody's filming with their mobile phone and they're all adults that are being filmed and it's up on social media. My understanding of that is there's nothing illegal about that. Uh, because it's a public place. Uh, what's hilarious is that the party of all these people are affiliated with Ireland First has in black and white on its own website as one of its policies, the parents should have the final stay, say on their child's education. Uh, through their protests, they are unilaterally attempting to remove this right from parents and give it to themselves, contradicting their own policy. Uh, there's, there's a lot to be said, though, about parents being involved in the education of their children in a school setting. I mean, I think you do need to have parental input in this. Uh, I mean, it, it can't be just kind of like the Wild West or where a teacher or the Board of Education or indeed a school principal can decide all of these things. You saw what happened in the UK. I played you the audio of it a few weeks ago. Some girls in the classroom were very robust in their opinions, pushing back on the teacher with regards to, uh, say, um, gender change or what, you know, what, what sex you are, what gender you wish to be. And the teacher was far from accommodating what these young girls had to say. I was very proud of those girls, to be honest. Your man on the air could have at least read the book before he came on air. His argument is a bit thin. 
By the way, a public library is a public building where videoing cannot be prohibited, although I do not agree with them intimidating staff. That is unacceptable. Uh, they have read the book. Uh, Ross Lahive has read the book. I mean, he, he knows the book chapter and verse. Ask the library lad if he would be happy to have a neo-Nazi book in the library. No, a book like that would be removed. Uh, these Those people have a right to protest and their opinions must be respected as protesters. Library is paid for the ta- by the taxpayers' money. Good on the protesters. This chap has done nothing more. Uh, this lad is nothing more, or the people against the protesters are nothing more than left-wing mouthpieces. Oh, fair play. Keep on throwing the labels around, lads, whatever you do. Uh, they work every time. Craig, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Uh, have you read it? I haven't read the book. I heard your, when you were talking about it, Two months ago. Fair was play. It? Thank you, you, Craig. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, go uh, ahead. I had so, no, the only reason I got annoyed was with Ross's statements about that they weren't intimidating the staff because I saw the videos. They were. And it just annoyed me that nobody should have to go to work and be fearful and be intimidated by anybody. Nobody's paid enough money for that. It's just, you can't do that. I have no problem. Everybody has their own opinion on anything and we're all entitled to that. So I'm not going to say they're wrong in their opinions. They could be right. I have different opinions, but we're all entitled to opinions on mm. it, you know. Mm. But just don't go in intimidating staff. And what 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 form of intimidation are you talking about? Is it the filming face up and posting it online? Because oh, the yeah. protesters are saying that they, I don't know whether you accept this or not, but they're saying that they do that for their own protection because they don't get a fair shake in the media and they want it filmed so that everybody can see what they do so nobody can lie. But they can make a film about it, but do it outside. Don't go in and be, it, that poor girl sitting behind the counter, is that her, her responsibility that the book's there? You know, you, you can't just go in and do that. To be less my personal opinion. And then I was talking to Kevin off air and whether people want the book there or not, we were talking about when I was kids and we were going to a video shop and they had PG on it and my mother make a decision whether or not it was acceptable for yeah. me to, yeah. to watch. So maybe they could look at some kind of system like that, put a PG on it and then the parent can... Make a decision. But that won't work for a book like This Book is Gay because it could be a young teen who is struggling privately with their own sexuality, right? They're, they, and they're not in a position, for whatever reason, to talk to their parents about it. And they find material themselves. I'm, I'm quite sure that if I was of that young age now with the access to what we have now, I would be very much searching things on my own. Uh, back in the day, we didn't have that, um, but we do now. So it's not something that you would... Be, a lot wouldn't be comfortable or brave enough yet to say to their parent, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't fancy girls. You know what I mean? Of course. And so they like, and so that won't work. Um, a parent saying, okay, here's a book. Uh, you might be gay. Read that. Well, last week, except as well that when I was a thirteen-year-old, I was seeing sex, drink, drugs, everything was around. Whereas for another thirteen-year-old that would shock and horror them. Mm. So that has to be accepted. Just because you say somebody's 13 or 14 and they may not be ready for it, some are. And that has to be accepted. But do we want a 13 or a 14 or a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old for that matter, maybe even a 17-year-old, sexually active? Because the book is encouraging. They are already. like, Like I'm in my early 30s and I know that when I was 13... People were sexually active. 
At 13, good God. So I think... At 13? Do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think people have to kind of accept that as well, that just and 13 is a very young age, I know that, but it is but Do happening. we accept it? Do we encourage, do we, should we accept that fact, or should we encourage them not even, to be sick? The, your previous caller, when she was talking about her situation, they need the education, you know? And we need to have that available as well, that to educate them on what's right and what's wrong in this situation, because it's going to happen either way. Perfectly normal, then, you think, for 13-year-olds to have sex? Yes, I would think so, yeah. Okay, all right, that's interesting. Okay. Um, thank you for that, Craig. Are, are many young 13-year-olds having sex? Uh, text 0868104106. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you good today? Good girl, good girl. How's yourself? How's Moses? I'm all good? All good. All good, thank God. Okay, okay. Picking up on yesterday's conversation, there's a rally tomorrow at half past 12 outside the library. The staff are protesting because they don't feel safe. Your thoughts? Well, I'd be down there with the staff. Would you? Would you? I'm going to make it my business. And that man was that was on. I mean, Neil, who is he? Who is he? He's not representing me. Well, no, but... He's not representing... We don't know nothing about that man. Where did he come from? He's only latching on to one book. And now now Neil is young boys and girls in their teens, 13 and 14, are still afraid to come out. Some, and for some, it's too late. And that book should be there for them. Let their mothers and fathers give them permission to go in and get it. Have or you read it? And get it. But that man is full of anger and a, a very aggressive man. Well, yeah, it's he was certain. talking about the media yesterday, about complaining about the media. He would not get off that phone yesterday. No, if, like, I know I, he has a lot to say and in spite of the way in which he maybe carried himself sometimes during the conversation yesterday I think we need to have balance you know if you're going to be talking balance, if, you know, you just, you, but don't go into the library or go, do not go into a place of work I mean if if he, if that's all he's doing is, is going on that one book why doesn't he put his energy in somewhere else like the homeless get houses for them why they're only going on that book? I think and I think I, he do, I think he does rally and protest actually regarding homeless numbers and. But I want to know, Neil, who is he? He's a corkman who's a passionate opinion on this book is gay. He thinks this should be taken I'm off. I'm not wrong with that, Neil. He thinks it's grooming. It's I mean, paedophilia. If, if, engages if in... my grandchildren came into me in the morning and said they were coming doctors, I hug them. Yeah. If they come in and say, "Nana, I'm gay, I'm lesbian," I was still given the same hug. Yeah. Because yeah, he had the same heart. Yeah. But that man is very, very aggressive. Now, I saw up on Facebook, Neil, one of his members. I don't know who she was, but there was a lot of pride flags on a flower bed. Now, Neil, she took all them off. The pride flags? Yeah, and she is said there, she was going to burden them. They're not her property. She shouldn't do that. She shouldn't do that. Yeah. And he said he had gay followers. That is a complete lie. Well, I don't and know about that. I mean, I've, I've, read, I've read the book and I'm quite sure that right across all stratospheres of society there will even be gay people who would have a negative opinion towards it, to be honest I with don't you. know. But Neil, I'm thinking of the young teenagers. All right. I mean, it's too late for some to come out. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But that man is an ignorant, ignorant man. Okay, okay. 
Thanks, Anne. Appreciate it as always. Pick up the phone. Uh, one uh, by phone, you can call oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six, and by text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now. Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Because it got crazy busy in the 11 o'clock hour yesterday, I didn't get to get callers on the air. I did read out a lot of texts as to who you would bring to afternoon tea. Three famous people, alive or dead, would you invite to your afternoon tea? So text 86 8104 Again today, we have a table of four uh, for Sally's Tea Room at the Cargilline Court Hotel. And tomorrow, 22 of you will have afternoon tea. And you, if you win it, get overnight hotel stay in the Cargilline Court with dinner and indeed afternoon tea as well. So text three famous people, dead or alive, who would you invite to afternoon tea? Right? Text 0868104106. We continue with our giveaways of summer family passes to great tourist locations around our beautiful county. Uh, yesterday we featured the Cork City sightseeing, sightseeing tour bus. And I hope to talk with Kath, the driver of that bus, before midday today. If you're heading out and about across July or August or whenever, download the Explore Cork app. Download that app. It is one of the best apps I've ever seen with regards to tourist attractions anywhere. There's 850 places in there, uh, the Explore Cork app. So all that to come between now and midday today. Big response to uh, issues regarding RTE. Um, and uh, I'll do a few of those and also a lot to do with this book is gay because of tomorrow's rally that and calls after the break call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818 104 106 Red FM so come back to lots of calls and texts between now and midday but I want to tell you a little story there's a radio station way up in the west it's called Highland Radio up in Donegal and every single year for decades now this radio station has knocked it out of the ballpark with listeners no other radio station gets a look in uh, up in in Donegal when it comes to Highland no one's listening to RTE up there no one's listening to anything it's all Highland, it's just an incredible success story and one of those who presented his own talk show there uh, went on air in 1990 and resigned um, after many many years on air and his name is Sean Doherty and on Sunday he was ordained a priest and he joins me by phone, Sean good morning Good morning to you, Ken. It's it's a different form of communication, if you like, isn't it? You're still in the communication game, but communicating the word of God. How did that come about? <laughs> um, well, to be honest with you, it was, um, it was a prog- progression of, of, of years, really. Sort of, it didn't just happen in an instant. You know, when I was a young fella, um, Neil, I was um, thinking about it as a... As a, as a as a 15 year old and um, then I, I didn't pursue it I went for a weekend to, I was born in England my parents are Irish and um, I went to a weekend retreat in St Albans and I and I had a great time and I really thought it's what I wanted to do but I was sort of thinking I was a bit insecure and I thought I wouldn't be able to do it academically and they had no problem with pursuing it but I did yeah. so I didn't uh, I didn't go through with it and then I ended up getting involved I got a involved in theatre and, and acting and um, did that for a few years and then when I came to Ireland, my mother's place is Derry and my dad's is Donegal and um, I got involved in a couple of uh, projects in theatre and, and film work little tiny parts, nothing you'd have blinked and missed them to be honest <laughs> and, and then I got onto, onto uh, Radio Highland at the beginning of the, Was that 27 the, years? Ir- 20, 28 years I was on it actually from the beginning I was the, uh, was the 
started a talk show. It was called the Sean Doherty Show when I was, well, I was 1990. and I was on a pirate radio station, DCR, for a year before that. And as you know, uh, all the pirates near that had to uh, close down bef- to apply for the licenses. Yeah. And um, the one that I was on didn't get the license, but Highland did. And then they invited me to, to do a show. And, and then um, the rest was history. I ended up uh, kind of in part ownership events in management and, and presenting the show and doing the promotions. We did a lot of listener trips and things. And um, then... Over the years, I encountered a priest called Father Neil Carlin. Um, he was involved in prison ministry during the Troubles and helping the families. And uh, he was a tremendous man. He, he died uh, it was two years now. And did he influence years. your decision out of admiration and respect for what he was doing? Strongly, yeah. strongly. But uh, what was it yeah. like? I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like. It'll come to all of us, me as well. Um, what's it like not to go on the air, on a, you know, stop on a Friday and not be on air on a Monday morning? It was grand, <laughs> believe me. Don't, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. <laughs> don't worry about it, he says. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. I'll have no, nothing to do, man. <laughs> you will, you will, you will. Um, well, what happened was <laughs> um, I, I took a year's break and I did a bit of travelling, so I'd recommend it to you. Um, and, and I did that and um, went to, to different places like Assisi and I'd never visited Rome, actually. That's why I ended up studying for the priesthood. And I had to go to Rome, not knowing I'd end up there and I, I visited Rome and um, went to a place called Medjugorje which I love great place if ever you're looking for a bit of peace and I know you, you probably do often you know, when you come off a show you think oh, I need a bit of peace but um, it's, it's a great place to go and that's what I did and I, I picked up um, in fact I met a lot of people from Cork in Medjugorje a lot of people go there from Cork and great people and um so I, I ended up going there and always had it was a nice place to go and have, have peace and space and it's a beautiful place there's no place quite like it and there sort of was another place where it nurtured my sort of thoughts and prayers and discernment and everything How did, and the, then, how did the listeners I, react though I'm wondering because they must have formed well, a really well, close bond to you for 28 years on air Oh uh, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, you know, you know what it's like. It's like your family because you've got such a privileged position being in people's homes every day, and you know they they get to know you and they know when you're in a good mood and a bad mood. Oh, Sean's not in a great mood today. He's in a good mood. All that person yeah, bothers yeah, you. They will you yeah. every day because they get to know your your, your ways, and and I just felt I was very embraced by the people of Donegal. I mean, I came from England. People used to say, how will an English accent go? How do you manage? It wasn't people in Donegal who said it on Derry or Tyrone where people used to listen. It was always when I went, say, away anywhere. Now and again, odd exception, we might do a show in England or in America. But, yeah. And they'd say, how does that accent go down? But there was never really a problem. So what like, was it on a Friday? Sorry, guys, um, I'm off now to join the priesthood. How did you announce it? Well, I didn't announce it quite like that, but I said, um, I'm leaving in three weeks. I sort of did it in an ad break. I got an announcement to make, and I said, I'm going to be, you know, uh, looking at pastures new, because at that point, I couldn't say for certain. I hadn't even spoken to the bishop, uh, but it, it was in my mind. <laughs> so uh, uh, I came off, off the air, did the three. Obviously, there was, there was a lot of shock. Now, they, they did a, a really nice show for me when I finished up. In fact, um, um, when I, I was on the show for the last show and I was downstairs where you'd been in the studio and I we had like an upstairs area and they said, can you come with us a second? It was in the middle, well, towards the sort of, I don't know, it was halfway through the show or something or, and I didn't know what was going on and I went upstairs and I had a whole 
I, I don't know, maybe 200 people there. Oh, the mortification yeah, of it. <laughs> but you, more, what? You're not kidding. And throw my twin sister in from, and my other sister from, uh, <laughs> I'm from a big family from England, and it was emotional. And This is your life kind on. of thing, wasn't it? Egg, that's what it was like. It was, you know, and then the late great Gabo was on, and uh, he, he was, he was, as you know, he, he was at that point. He was coming to the end of his life, and I never forget it because he actually broke down, and it wasn't like Gabo because he used to hold him, you know, his emotions quite to himself. And but the thing he said to me was interestingly, Sean, look after your health. That's what he said to me. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, there's uh, a man who loved anyway, Donny Gall, didn't he? At home there and everything. Oh yeah. Well, he had a place here in Dunlow, you see, um, near Dunlow, and he used to come up, and now and again, if, if you were down in Dunlow, you'd see him, he used to do a lot of walking, and hill walking, yeah. and he'd just yeah. go, you know, but how are you doing? And off he'd go, you know. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. nice. So where's yeah. your parish then? Are you local, or are you somewhere else? Well, I'm only ordained, you see, on Sunday, so you don't actually get your... Um, it's the first question every single person asks me is, where are you going to be? And I don't know. I won't know. Actually, I'll well, the one I would ask is, does it come with a house? Do you get the parochial house? <laughs> well, only if you call Neil Prendival, then you get a big, big house in Lacus <laughs> one. Call no, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know if I'll get a... Uh, I, I might get a house. I might not. I've got a house anyway. I've got my own house. And I have um, the community I belong to. <laughs> You're but, um, Yeah. They'll give me a room, I think, anyway, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't know where you're going to be sent yet? I, I, it, no, well, it could, anywhere in the Derry Diocese. Anywhere in the Derry Diocese it will be. Uh, which is part of Donny, because part of Derry Diocese is actually Inishowing, where my dad's from, so I could be around there. I'm speaking from Inishowing now, because I'm in a place called St. Anthony's Retreat Centre. I belong to a community as well, called the, that's Father Neil's community, the Columbia community, and we have four centres up here, and we have a Celtic prayer garden, six acres, and we do retreats. In a beautiful part of the country, I'm That's sure. where I am now, it's yeah. And, yeah. and I, know, I know that Bishop Finton down here, and perhaps other bishops are talking about that they need more people to join the priesthood so there's a box ticked with ticked with you but what about aspects within it do you have any thoughts on whether or not priests should be allowed to marry and also the elephant in the room that we should have anyway within the catholic faith there should be women priests any thoughts Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that one, Neil. Two days into it, um, I haven't got all the answers. I just don't have all the answers. I mean, these are these are discussions that are had at a, a much higher pay grade than mine, and um, I don't get paid anyway. But um, at the moment, <laughs> but it's it's kind of um, they, these are they're complex issues, Neil, and I, they're not. I'll, the magisterium of the church makes the decisions, and humble Sean here will just follow the the magisterium. That's my that's what I have signed up for as a priest. I mean, I know um, plenty of people who are married. Actually, this is interesting. In the in the seminary, we had people who who had been married and people who have families. Because I was in the Bader College in Rome, which is for older men. So some of the people that I was with who had been, you know, ordained, they 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 were married, had families. So it's it's a situation. And as you know, we have people from the Anglican community in the Church of England mm. uh, in in England who became Catholic, and they've come. My local priest, as a matter of fact, and he, he anointed my father before he died in England. Uh, he was married with children, but they, it, there is a, a obviously a situation within the church where that can happen. So it's not to say that there aren't not within the churches we know in Ireland do, do we see this, but we certainly have 
priests who have experience of, of being husbands and families, and but it's more the as you as you would know the, the Anglicans that have joined us. No, I know, but it's just the point I'm, what I'm making. There are an awful lot of parishes, certainly in rural Ireland, and I know this of West Cork and South Kerry, where they have to share a priest, and you could have a rotating mass in four or five different parishes, which means that yeah. each parish would probably get a mass every five weeks. That's just down to a shortage of priests. It is, and I, I know that one issue that... I mean, we don't actually have at the moment um, the permanent diaconate in Derry, but they do in other parts of Ireland. And, um, th- th- you know, this isn't, um, this isn't obviously somebody who is, is, is a priest, but they're a deacon. I was a deacon for a year, and deacons can marry people, as in they can perform marriages, the funerals, and everything else. And I know in the permanent diaconate, a person can be... Um, uh, married and that they are certainly fulfilling a, an enormous role for the church and um, that's not to say oh you know we just say that they're handy to have around I'm not saying that for one moment but uh, it's an area of the church that is and yeah but they haven't got their wings though you know they haven't got their full wings of the Phyllis's well, they might think they have their wings, but uh, whatever their full wings are, because all Catholics uh, who are, you know, baptised are called into a common priesthood. I know it isn't the priesthood that I've just been ordained to in, in that sense, because we've all got different roles. But we also have to think as well, and, and we are obviously as a church, Neil, um, we, we have to look at the, the role of the laity. And I think Pope Francis is very, very strong on this. And we're looking at this new synodal path uh, where the laity are much more empowered. I belong to a, a community called the Columbia Community, and it, and it is lay-led. When Father Neil died, it was a lay leader that took over, Marguerite yeah. Hamilton. She was yeah. a former principal, she was a wonderful woman, and she is leading this community. And, yeah. and I'm the, the, the priest here at the moment, but she's um, she's she's far more um, gifted and knowledgeable than I am, and she knows more and has done more, and she's been in the church longer in, in that sense. So the, the role of the laity is, is, is vital now for the future of the church as well. You know, so a lot of a lot of this is being looked at by the church Good. and you know Good. I haven't got all the answers to both as the fellow says above yeah. your pay grade do you miss on air though uh, well, not this week because I'm on a lot, but um, I just listened to Ad break say he was like, I was waiting to come in and do what you've just done and say, welcome back to the show. You know, um, do I Maybe you could call out some requests from the pulpit. I could, yeah. Why not? I did. Maybe it could happen. Maybe someone will shout up one. I, I, to be honest with you, I, um, I didn't have time to miss it because it, seminary is so intense. I was in Spain first at the Scots College in Salamanca and then I went to the Bader in Rome for four years and of course COVID happened in the middle of all that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have time to miss it. Um, as in, I was so engrossed in, in something. It's very intense, you can imagine. Yeah. And at my age, like I'm not, I'm not young and um, it's, it's, it's certainly uh, busy, so you don't really have much time to miss it in that sense. But I, I was so blessed on the day of the ordination. I mean, the cathedral was packed, the first mass was packed, and it was people. They were listeners. There were people I haven't seen for years and years, colleagues I haven't seen for years. And it just was like a whole coming back home again, you know. It's wonderful. And I, I, I was the most, you know this, uh, I, I because of, you, of what you're doing and how long you've been doing it, I um, 
was the luckiest person in, in, in the Northwest in terms of broadcasting because I was in it for so long yeah. and the same show for oh, so God. long. And yeah. Maybe yeah. too long for some people, you know. Um, gosh. <laughs> well, if you're too uh, long at 28, I'm, I'm totally shagged at 45 years on here, I can tell you that. <laughs> you're, you're all right, Neil. You're doing well. Listen, um, that makes me feel better, actually. Yeah, that makes me feel better. Well, yeah. that's the way it is, pal. I can't wind the clock back. But listen, it's great to catch up with you and best of luck on the journey fair play i can't help but feel that you made a brave move but for you it was just a natural thing to do you just followed your you just followed your faith well uh, it's one of those things it's cool you just have an opportunity to answer you're not forced and if 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 you answer it and i find that if you and it is it takes like there's fear involved any oh my gosh change you know, but move forward, the Lord opens the doors, and that's what I have found, you know, um, when I've stepped forward, all the fears you have and all the anxieties, which you have naturally, they, they're, step, they, they're, they're put aside, you know, and I've been tremendously blessed to work in hospital as a chaplain last year, and that, that gave me some experience, valued experience, and something I would have been apprehensive about and I needn't have been, you know, so a lot of the things we worry about in life, and if, it's fear that stops us. And it you know be, something? Yeah. You're going to make a fantastic priest to uh... Among, among other accolades, of course, you have the ability to listen and show compassion. Uh, and that's a great place to start, isn't it? Well, that's very kind of you. I really Look after yourself. That, Mind yourself, Sean. Thanks Thank for you. taking the call. Take Thanks, care. Neil. All the best. Uh, the one and only Sean Doherty. Now, Father Sean Doherty. Text 0868104106, everybody. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 CRT presenters have started posting photographs uh, up on the line in their studios uh, wearing flip-flops. See, Lillian Smith has posted one. Uh, also, John Kenny has posted one. This, of course, is following up on the flip-flop re- revelations from yesterday's uh, media committee and the, I don't know, beggar's belief, actually, that you would spend that kind of money, five grand on flip-flop for a summer party. Even beggar's belief more that you wouldn't have gone to pennies and got them for 150 as opposed to paying 30 euro a pair. But anyway, listen, we have summer family passes to give away right across the summer, and there are just fantastic locations. Uh, we've done Cork City Jail. You can go to the Mitchellstown Caves, Nanonagle Place, the Titanic Experience, the Toy Soldier Factory, Yaw Clock Gate Tower, the Butter Museum, Ballycotton Lighthouse. Uh, oh, there's just dozens and dozens of them to give away. I gave away some yesterday today for the Cork City Sightseeing Tour Bus. I'm going to give away some more this morning. If you haven't taken it, you must to. It was one of the most enjoyable things I did some summers ago and it was a beautiful sunny day. We jumped up on the bus and we headed around the city. You think you know it all, don't you? Because you've lived here all your life. But I can tell you one thing. There's always something new to learn upon that bus and Kath Fairhead is the driver of it. Kath, good morning. Morning. Firstly, can I apologise for yesterday morning? I just ran out of time, but you know what it's like trying to stay on a timetable. Tell us about the tour. Tell us all about the tour. Where I know it starts at the Grand Parade. Where's it go? Well, it starts at the Grand Parade and uh, then it goes down Patrick Street or Panner, as you call it, yeah. um, down to the train station where um, quite a lot of cruise line passengers come in from Cove. So um, that's more of a get on stop than a get off stop. And uh, then we go up to Shandon where you can get out and uh, climb the steeple, ring the bells or go to the Bossy Museum. Oh, yes. But else, do you have any problem, you do you have any, uh, problem negotiating the lanes of Shandon? 
sometimes, yes. But um, I enjoy a challenge. <laughs> and sure, if there's a badly parked car to pass, it uh, makes my day more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the difficult thing to reverse out. <laughs> well, yeah, I have had to reverse down the street a couple of times. And, I mean, while it's, it's hilarious and all the rest of it, I would say that when people park there, if I can't get a bus through, then a fire engine can't get through either. Well, that's so, true. You know, that's quite that's a serious true. Point. Well said. So the stop off at Shandon takes in the bells and the butter exchange and the museum does, and everything yeah, and the like that. Museum, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you can so you can get off that bus. You carry on though. There's always another bus coming. Is that the thing? Exactly. There's, at the moment, there's two of us, so we're every 45 minutes. So that's plenty of time, 45 minutes to to do the bells and the bus museum. And sure, the next stop then is is the jail, which is. I mean, you can do it in 45 minutes. You'd have to be quite efficient, and, <laughs> but an hour and a half then is is plenty of time to do it. Okay, so when you say the city jail, we're talking about Strawberry Hill. Yes. Yes, tough one, one of my favourite bits. Yeah, why? Why is it your favourite bit? Because I sometimes pretend the brakes have failed when I go down there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of talky stuff happening because every all of the stops, people are, there is I don't know, is it you? I can't remember. Is a recording telling people what they need to know about our city, right? Well, there is a recording, and it's, it's not just me that drives it. Obviously, there's other people as well. Um, I can't drive two buses for a start. But, yeah, there is a recording, and um, there's, a, there's a man's voice and a woman's voice on the recording, but I can chip in any time. So what I say to passengers is there's three of us in it. There's a man and a woman who live in the box, and there's myself. <laughs> Must be a very entertaining trip, then, if you're on board. What kind of uh, thing? Well, it- what, do you, what do you give little nuggets, little tidbits, little... Um, uh, historical yeah, facts. Yeah, little ob- observations that I've made throughout the years because, I mean, obviously, well, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not actually from Cork originally. I gathered that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I look at it from the angle that I was a tourist when I first arrived um, and I can see what tourists would would notice or be interested in. And, I mean, even 24 years later, I'm still a tourist. There's still new things that I'm discovering. Um, my mother came on the bus a few years ago, and as we were going along uh, Penrose Wharf, um, there's a, a statue of St. George and the Dragon on top of one of the buildings. The custom building, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And um, I just heard my mother shriek from upstairs, Oh, he's got no clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't noticed because I'd obviously never looked up. Well, I'd never she's, travelled upstairs. she's up top and she's close up and personal. Well, exactly. what fascinated you then upon arriving to Cork first? Um, I think the fact that it's, I mean, it's, it's a small city, but there's so many different parts of it, you know. I mean, there's the city centre, obviously, between the two channels of the river. Um, can't get any bigger than that because the river is either side of it and it, it, it stops it getting any bigger. So that's really the shopping area, the compact area. But then when you go up to Shandon, it's all very old and historical. And then you go up to Sunday's Well and you get a lovely view of the city. And, and when you're looking down from Sunday's Well, you see there's, I mean, there's a lot of trees in Cork. You thank wouldn't God. nearly notice them when yeah. you're walking around. Yeah, thank God. Um, and then you go down um, towards Wellington Bridge there, and it's so beautiful there with the water and the shaky bridge and everything. And that's where you <laughs> hit after the city jail. You're back down Wellington Bridge, over along the Western Road and the Mardyke, is it? Yes, correct. So we stop down there for anybody who wants to go to the park, walk over the shaky bridge, or visit the university. 
the shaky bridge. You know that it doesn't shake as much as it used to. You're aware of that. I know, I know. They stabilised it, doesn't it? And yeah. there used to be so much fun when somebody cycled over it because that used to make it shake. But they've said <laughs> cyclists must dismount now. <laughs> <laughs> Health and safety gone mad. I know. Yeah. So after that, um, that'll be up to Jail Cross, I suppose, around UCC. Am I uh, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Jail Cross is exactly where we stop. Yeah. Yeah. And do you chat with people, say, from Cork who'd never known the city as well as they thought until they got on the oh, bus? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're giving away family passes today. Um, during the school holidays, we do have families on, and sometimes it's the kids' first time on an actual bus. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, there's, there's um, students from Cork, or, you know, teenagers, young 20-year-olds, and they, they come on the bus, and they're, like, a bit, bit embarrassed in case their friends see them. But, you know, they just want something to do for an hour or so, you know. And they've been dragged along by Mammy and Daddy. But I highly recommend it, I really do. What do tourists make of our city? They think it's lovely um, because it's it, it's not like Dublin. <laughs> it's um, you know it's not. Um, I mean, people say to me, why why is Cork so so better than Dublin? Because it's, it's it's not so big. I mean, Dublin could be any European city. Could be Manchester. It could be Birmingham. But Cork, it's it's more of a, a Bristol feel to it, or a, like a a smaller city that's more friendly. Do you go into St Finbar, um, do you go up around Finbar, up around, say, for instance, St Finbar's Cathedral and, and that kind of area where we were, had a huge Viking influence when they came we, here? Do you... We do mention the Vikings. We don't actually go up that way anymore because they changed the road layout a few years ago and it, it made it too too complicated to go around there. But we're yeah. hoping to change the route and get Finbar's in again. But we do talk about Finbar's and it's literally just around the corner from the Grand Parade. You just go over the Nano Nagel Bridge. And you're and there, there, yeah, yeah. So yeah. back into Shear Street, down the Grand Parade. South Mall City Hall with the Grand Parade finish, I believe, isn't it? Yes. yes. How long so is the whole trip the take? Markets. It takes um, an hour and a quarter-ish. Sometimes it takes less, sometimes it takes longer, depending okay. on traffic and whether it's Sunday or not. And bookings then would be www.corkcitytours.com. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> not I'm your area. <laughs> not your area expertise. You just imp- no. make, make sure that the bus gets to its destination exactly. safely. Exactly, and you don't need to book either. You can just turn up and pay on board. You can okay. pay. We take cash or card payments on board. Is so. it expensive, incidentally? It's not. It's very, very um, reasonable. It's um, eighteen euros for adults, um, and it's sixteen to seniors and students. A family ticket is forty euros. So that's two children, two adults, but we're quite flexible about the number of children. You well done. Tell my boss, one tell adult. My boss yeah, that. No, you mean you could be one adult and three kids or two adults and two kids. I get it. That would be money well spent on a family pass. Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a day out. You can spend all day hopping on oh, and off. Oh, totally. You know? Listen, it's not yeah. an hour and a half trip. It's much longer because it people is. will want to enjoy the different stops as they go along. Okay, I'm going to give another five family passes away. People need to ask for you. Who's the other driver, Kath? Well, Tony is the main driver, but we have, um, you know, have other drivers as well. So myself and Tony would be the, the main drivers. I think Tony's been doing it nearly as long as me, to be honest. Well, listen, continued success with it. Didn't we used to have a tourist train? Did I dream that? There was a tourist train. It didn't didn't do very well. Um, That's a shame, yeah, isn't it, it? It came in one year. But have you seen the there's the... Um, the, the bus that comes down from Dublin sometimes it does um, tea and cake tours I think it's called <laughs> afternoon tea tour you know seen that one? No it's, um, it's a vintage route master um, and they serve tea and cakes and I mean I don't know whether, I don't know what their their tour is but I mean they go I've seen them driving around because they come to the same places as our bus does I'm honest um, I'm honest yeah it's 
Yeah, it's not um, it's, it's not round at the moment now. I think it just comes down for a month and then goes back to Dublin uh, and then comes down for another month. But listen, so vin- vintage tea tours. It's anyway, called. but listen, okay. When I see it, I'll jump on it. For now, I know where you are on the Grand Parade. I'm going to give away the family passes, five of them right now. Have a great summer, girl. Mind yourself. Thanks for taking Thank the call. Thank you very much. Cheers, Kath. Bye. All the best. <laughs> I guess that would be fun to be on her bus because she's a quirky character as well as everything else. The Cork City Sightseeing Tours. So we will take callers 9, 10, 11, 12 and 13. Each of you will win a family pass. Two adults, two children, one adult, three children, whatever the case may be. Hop on, hop off the bus. If you haven't done it before, lads, do it. I wouldn't give you a bum steer on this one. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I'm just looking some text here for people in afternoon tea who you'd invite. One of them, I thought about Googling this. Elvis, Eric Canyons, and the Chippendales. But clearly, clearly I'm not going to Google Eric Canyons, for that is a typo or a correction for Eric Cantona, yeah? Tell me that's right. Chippendales would be one of the ones that people use, we've heard over the last few days, that people need a bit of eye candy at the afternoon tea. Nostradamus, Tommy Cooper and Shania Twain. The people I bring to tea are Enoch Burke, Jerry Hutch and yourself. Neil, says Mal. It's an interesting group of people, isn't it? I would invite David Attenborough, Roy Keane, Ryan Tuberty, and you could be sure that Roy would get to the bottom of this RTE scandal, says John Collins. Keno, Jimmy Barry Murphy, and Sasha, my daughter. Ross and Middleton says Karl Marx, Jeff Bezos, and Nelson Mandela. And uh, Magella Callan says, I would have Meatloaf and Jessica Fletcher and JFK. Jessica Fletcher would solve the assassination of JFK and Meatloaf would make yet another number one hit. Um, three people I bring to afternoon tea. Nelson Mandela, Rebel Wilson and Michael Bublé, says Suzanne in Middleton. Good afternoon. I would invite Britney Spears so I can ask if she's okay. I would invite one of the passengers from the Ocean Gate sub to find out what happened. And I would invite one of the inmates, Clarence Engel, John Engel or Frank Morris, who escaped from Alcatraz. I find their escape story fascinating. That is a good selection, Lisa. Thank you. Morgan Freeman, Adele and Liam Neeson would be my three celebs, says Bridget and Blackrock. I would invite Louis Capaldi, Amy Winehouse and Freddie Mercury. I feel they've all a great personal story to tell. And I'd love to hear more about Amy's and Freddie's experiences with the music industry and how their music came about and to hear about their deaths. Um, uh, talking about people who have passed away, there's a three here, two are dead. Gay Byrne, Jerry Ryan and Ryan Tuberty to get all the scandal from RTE. Uh, the first person I'd invite would be your good self and my darling mother because she's a huge fan of yours. She loves listening to the radio every day. The third would be a great friend of mine, Pat Falvey. Imagine the conversation and the crack we would have, says Valerie in Carrigal Line. I would invite Mother Teresa of Calcutta to chat with her about her life saving the poor. Roy Keane just to chat about his life after leaving Cork and Barbara Streisand to sing a few songs. And just another few, and I'll take a couple of calls then. I'd bring Princess Diana, as we would have a nice read of the royal family. Amy Winehouse, because she's just a legend and she could sing. And Diana, uh, for entertainment. Uh, And then finally, Gemma Collins, as she's hilarious. Uh, I'd love a night out with her after the afternoon tea. Neil Sedaka, Michael Jackson, and Mick, uh, Mick Tyson for the banter, if we could understand what he was saying. Um, 
um, says Jonathan from Canturk. Uh, and one final one. My brother Mark, he is back home next month from Australia to visit and we haven't seen him in seven years. I bring my mum and dad as well. We are all seriously overdue a catch-up. There are loads more of those texts. I will come back to them. So text 0868104106. But just a few calls on this one. Afternoon tea for four at Sally's Tea Room at the Cargilline Court Hotel. Carol standing by. So is April. But first up, Christine, you have the floor. Go ahead. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Who's your invite? Liam Neeson, Sean Connery and Billy Connolly. Why? Their accents. You like those accents, two of them being Scottish, I see. Yes, I have a thing for the Scottish accent, I must say. Um, Would you just sit back and listen to them? Or would you get involved? Well, I'd a little bit involved, but I'd more likely just sit back and listen to them. I'd say Billy Connolly would take the floor. Billy Connolly. Sean Connery, you could listen to his accent all day. All day. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they'd be yeah. drinking tea, though, or Prosecco, would they? Oh, I'd say Guinness. Definitely, <laughs> or a hard shot. <laughs> Maybe not Billy anymore, being teetotal now. He probably would stay yeah. on the tea. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. Probably stay for. All right. Those four, Billy Connolly, Sean Connery, and Liam Neeson. Thank you for that. Carol, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I saw your text coming in, actually. It's an interesting mix. Go on. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Roy mm-hmm. Keane, and Don Henley. Well, I, no. under- I understand um, Roy Keane, but are you a big Springsteen fan? Yeah, okay. I am, actually. You've been I, to a- you know what? Now, I'm thinking of bumping Don Henley off, but I'd have to think about that one, like. Right. But he's, he's, he's after getting a bit old and cranky. Ah, so is it, is, do you, did you fancy Don Henley or something before no, you got cranky? No, no, I just wanted to hear a few of the songs being sung acoustically, like, but Bruce could do the singing and um, I could bump Don off and put maybe Oscar Schindler in because I love that era of history. Oscar Schindler? And that's yeah, a connection with Liam. Man as well. Yeah, that's so, a connection like, with Liam Neeson as well, isn't it, from an earlier caller? So... Schindler's List. You'd have a good crack with them. So have you been to a Springsteen gig? Yeah, I've been twice, lucky enough to be twice. He's unbelievable. You'd never, you yeah. didn't lose the will to live there. It went on for like five hours and you couldn't get a... <laughs> no, no, no. No, three hours, 20 minutes. Fantastic. And he doesn't go off stage once. I know, he gives fierce value. He certainly fairness, does. He yeah. certainly does. Yeah. And just finally, did you get married in the Carrigaline Court Hotel? I did, yep. We got married a couple of years back in the hotel with civil ceremony and the reception and it's actually our wedding anniversary now, the end of the month. So, really? uh, yeah, they're fabulous down there. Okay, yeah. okay. And um, did you stay in the bridal suite there? I did. And are you thinking that if you win the big prize tomorrow and an overnight that they will put you into the bridal suite again? Oh, I'd love it. Ash, you're beyond, you're beyond all that messing in the bridal suite now, though, I'd say. <laughs> you settled down now. married a few years now, <laughs> come on. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I will do. I give you afternoon tea for four. Um, oh, and, thank you very much. But we'll have to see what happens with the bigger prize tomorrow. All right. Oh, brilliant! All right, thanks very much, Neil. Okay, girl, look after yourself. Right. Stay listening. You we'll too. see what happens tomorrow. Poor old Don Henley. Okay. So poor old Don Henley got old and cranky. He's bumped off the list. For Oscar Schindler, he'd be oh more interesting. <laughs> you didn't see Don Henley at the Marquee, did you? I did. I saw him. Oh yeah. my God! The sound at that brilliant. gig was just incredible. Yeah, I mean, he still has the voice. To be fair, now he's unbelievable. There, I put yeah. him back on the afternoon tea. The gig was fantastic at the Marquee. All right, go on. So I put him back on. All right, <laughs> afternoon tea for four at Sally's Tea Room for you. One final one, lads. April. Good morning. 
Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay. My apologies here now. I'm the notion who Chadwick Boseman is. I'm the notion who Tiffany Haddish is. Would you please tell me about that? <laughs> I know Ed so, Sheeran, though, thank God. <laughs> well, Chadwick Boseman is um, Black Panther. Never saw it. Okay. So he's passed away since. Never knew it. Um, yeah, he's done amazing work. He, he died of colon cancer himself, but he did amazing work for kids with cancer. So I'd I'd invite him, Tiffany Hadesh. I'm surprised you've never heard of her. She's a great comedian, very crude sense of humour. Yeah, um, I mean, like in so, my defence now, I know a lot of comedians, but I I can't know everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she's in a lot of movies. She's sh- an actress as tell, well. Tell me a film then. Uh, so she's in the one with uh, <laughs> Kevin Hart. Schools Out is what I want to say it's called. What's Maybe it about? I'm wrong. What's it about? Uh, the movie itself yeah. is about somebody who goes back to school to, to complete their their undergrad. Nah. Their, you see, no. I, would, I wouldn't be allowed to watch a film like that unless there's some sort of killing or some kind of police investigation <laughs> or something to do with courtrooms. I'm not allowed to watch anything else but that. Okay. And I'm not no, even no, sure if I was allowed comedy. to watch. Yeah. Oh, sure, I know. I don't watch comedy. Yeah. I don't watch comedy. So um, so we got Tiffany Haddish, we've got Chadwick Boseman, and Ed Sheeran for the tunes, is it? But no, because just he's so he's so down to earth and friendly, and I just feel like everybody needs a friend like Ed. Everyone <laughs> needs a friend you know? like Ed. I love it, I love it, I love it. All right, well, listen, stay listening. We'll have to see what happens tomorrow with regards to it. Uh, one or two more here. Three people I would love to have at dinner would be JFK, Michael Collins and Freddie Mercury. This would be to hear a different viewpoint in relation to freedom and to peace and each person's opinion on courage, conviction and pride. I would love to hear the debate on everyone's opinion on same-sex marriage, people's right to freedom and a nation's struggle to accept or to be a fly on the wall during the exchange, says Mike and Ali. That's a quite profound, that text. It's quite deep, isn't it? JFK, Michael Collins and Freddie Mercury. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 and we will have uh, another winner tomorrow. I might even have two uh, tomorrow plus an upgrade, which would be 22 of you at Sally's Tea Rooms for afternoon tea and an overnight stay B&B for two people, including dinner of an evening with um, afternoon tea as well. Coming back then to quite an amount of texts on different topics this morning, including RTE. You can see how this will all play out. There'll be an inquiry, uh, a review, uh, a lot of talking, and nothing will happen. We'll all sit forced to pay the slush fund in future and hear what the weather forecast is in every country that is a weather-related disaster. <laughs> As in, you feel that RT deals too much with overseas news. Um, well done, Neil for not paying the television licence. I'm not saying I'm not paying it. I have always paid it. I'm saying I'm just going to sit back for a while and see what happens and how this plays out. Anyway, Texter says, I cancelled my direct debit fee last week. I think the licence fee is a joke. I never watch RTE. It should only be broadcasted in Dublin because they do absolutely nothing uh, for Cork. And one final one on this. I'm out of work on the wrong payment where I get no extras. I get no Christmas bonus. Except this year I did get COVID and the Ukrainian war causing hardship to all. So the extra 200 in payments and bonuses this year made a huge difference for my life. Christmas was still a struggle, but it was easier than other years. I still, though, couldn't afford oil uh, and now the house is getting damp. But I have always paid my TV license, which is due on July 31st. 
but I would just have enough stamps in September, so I always renewed it then. I'm really disgusted as a payer of the licence fee with RTE. I rang them and told them I'm not renewing, and I asked them if I'll go to prison. But my question is, what will happen? You will probably go to prison for half a day, but then are you still fined a thousand euro, or is it all quashed as you've done your stint in prison? I'm 98% sure that I am going to prison now, says Lisa. I actually don't know what would happen as to whether or not you would go. Um, whether, if you go to prison for the two or three hours, do you still have to pay the fine? I would say that you do still have to pay the fine, but I'm open to correction on that. So text 0868104106. Can I talk before I go uh, to uh, Brendan Cashman? Let me get my, my information on this. Um, there was an ad in Brendan's, uh, for Brendan's restaurant. Brendan, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Where, where, where's the restaurant? Okay, so we're in Kinsale. Um, I, I don't know if you remember Crackpot's restaurant. I do. Of old. Yeah. So um, that property came up there several months ago and um, we just started refurbing it back in uh, the, the latter half of April and we're getting ready to, to get open for sometime soon, hopefully. Good stuff. Fingers crossed. Best of luck to you. Fingers crossed. So the Thank ad said, want to work, age 16 to 80 plus. We're looking for chefs, sous chefs, servers, greeters, full-time and part-time. Where, and you asked the question, where are all the 60 plus brigade? What happened to the 20-somethings? Are the over-40s hiding? Have they no teen spirit? Um, that's an interesting approach looking for staff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was actually, my, my, my partner put the ad together. They, um, yeah, with with a, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, to be fair. Um, yeah, look, you know, um, I'm sure you've, you've heard us um, uh, all over the city, places crying out for staff. It's, it's an ongoing issue, and... Um, you know, uh, certainly trying to get a, a new place off the ground is always challenging. Can you? Is yeah. it a ca- is it a case that you just can't get staff? It's looking that way. Now we have some. Um, over the last few days, we has have had a, a good response for front of house positions. Uh, a lot of students, uh, for, you know, for the summer, but which is which is great. And listen, that's that's part and parcel of this industry. Um, but before you know it, they're back to college. So we're just looking for, and you know, people with a bit of maturity as well might be nice to have. Okay, what you must have, common sense, attention to detail, good manners, a desire to work, and a smile for customers. And that's the big one. The big, that's the biggest one. Just happy demeanor, a smile. And look, you know this business as, as well as I do. It's a live business. It all happens. Uh, there isn't a huge amount of time to think about things. Um, you, you try and uh, uh, prep to, to get as much um, mitigated as, as possible before you ever open. But once customers come through the door, you know, they, they throw uh, spin balls at you. Um, but at least if you can disarm them with a smile, um, it's a starting point. Yeah. Because when I was showed it first, I loved it, right? Maybe I'm of an age where I get where you're coming from. But somebody much younger to me... What? We're all in that age. So, But somebody much younger than me said this ad, when they handed it to me, they said it has red flags all over it um, (laughs) because you're automatically presuming the worst. I I didn't get that type (laughs) of thinking, to be honest. And certainly that wasn't the intent. Um, it, it was with a bit of tongue in cheek, and, and maybe a moment of frustration as well. No, I think I think we need more ads like that. I think we really well, do. Yeah, good. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. The uh, as I say, right now we we're interviewing for for the kitchen, so that's that's a, a jumping off point, and 
look, we're hoping to get open within the next kind of uh, ten to kind of fourteen days, and and the local support here is has been has been great. Yeah. People texting and saying good luck, and you know, can I send my son down? And but look, we do need people with some level of experience as well. Talk to me about people who are um, uh, either sixty pluses or eighty pluses. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, well, you know, somebody sixty is not that old anymore. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not that far away from myself, um, and it doesn't have to be a full time commitment for somebody. You know, we're, we're, we're completely flexible with shift. Uh, if people want to do two days or three evenings a week, we're happy to, uh, to open it up to, you know, a, a wide age, uh, age of rage, ages, sorry. In the sense that you're not ageist towards people who no, might be a little older, not. because no. unfortunately a lot are. Yeah, I mean, we'd be delighted to have people here. I'm gone 50. Um, I'm still able to, to do a nice long day and... Um, I know, but at the end of the day, you're asking people to go into a very tough industry, aren't you? It I is mean, a tough industry. Yeah, yeah, it is tough. Look, this is a we, we've we've set this up to be a nice, casual environment. It's not high end food. Um, it's it's you know we're doing burgers. Okay, we have a wood fire grill at the back. We're going to do some grilled lobsters and steaks and things of that nature. But it's not fine dining. It's not you know it's we we want it to be fun, both for the customers and, and really for the staff as well because. Look, if it's too difficult um, and if the bar is set too high, people get exhausted and uh, they burn out. Totally. So Ox Restaurant and Kinsale will open shortly and that ad and the manner in which you advertise the jobs, you've got a positive reaction to it, people looking. We really have. For work. Yeah, I okay. have to say we really have, yeah. 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 Fair play. Fair play. All right. Good luck with it. Let us know. How you give us, get back to me when I you have an opening date. I sure will. All right, Brendan, take, take care. So, uh, right. sure, take care, take care. Bye-bye. Um, can I just say also, congratulations to Bertie's Chipper, who are celebrating 25 years in business this week. Bertie's, that should be actually, it says Bertie's here. There'll be Bertie's in Balfour. They do great burgers. They do fabulous fish and chips. And one of the things that you might not know, and I'm assuming it's still as good, is Bertie's does great pizza. So check that out. I also want to give another couple of shout outs. The Pie Guys from the Black Market down Marina have now also opened in the English market. I was delighted to hear that they continue to thrive. They make serious pies and the Pie Guys are now at the English market and the Stew Store from the Marina Market has now opened and another few Marina Market locations have also opened although I don't remember which ones they are. But I know the Stew Store opened recently in Douglas Shopping Centre which would be the Tesco Shopping Centre fantastic food there Pokebola there as well I believe but shoe store they do wonderful food from all over the world and one particular thing that they do absolutely beautifully is the Greek Stefano so delighted to see the small businesses are thriving on Leeside my apologies a lot of texts on different topics didn't get to it today we'll have another cut off it tomorrow have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts